0: What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I was joined by one of the breakout stars of USAPL Nationals, Gavin Aiden, who took second in the ultra, ultra competitive 93-kilo weight class, going toe-to-toe with one of the best lifters in the USAPL in Jonathan Keiko, and this interview was awesome. Uh, this happens occasionally on Two White Lights, where... I get a guest on and we just have a lot of chemistry, just never talking to each other before, but we just got each other. could be the cigar relation, could be the Italian connection that we have, but it was one of my favorite interviews I've done recently because it was just a back and forth between two lifters, talk about trying to get better, our experiences, I do a lot of talking, he does a lot of talking this episode, Uh, that's what I try to accomplish with all my interviews. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't, which is perfectly fine. And this is one of those episodes. So great, great conversation with Gavin. We talk almost for two hours. So if you're a lifter listening to this, I suggest you listen to the entire thing because it's just a great back and forth between two lifters, just trying to figure it out and get better. Uh, we of course talk about his experience at Raw Nationals. Again, probably the most interesting, most complex battle at Raw Nationals, was the 93 kilo with him and Jonathan Keiko. So they went back and forth all day. We talk about the squat. Uh, I did ask him about why he didn't go for the chip on the national record. The challenge situation between uh, Joey Flex and his coach, Alex Hussar. Maybe some controversy stirred up there a little bit. So that's, I guess, the clickbait of two white lights. But really interesting conversation there. Gavin has his opinions. We go back and forth on the whole challenging and protesting lifts. Uh, as it stands in the USAPL talk about the future as well because he's not at the door IPF worlds and the prospect of a rematch with him and Jonathan Keiko would be fantastic so we talk about that some future goals and also just what he's accomplished in the sport like from 2019 to now had so much progress and we talk about that and we share our experiences because him and I had a similar experience to that so great conversation we also just talk Goals going into each training session, how we approach training. Uh, Gavin had some really good insight on that. He asked me a lot of questions too, which is always appreciated. Like I said, this was just a delightful interview to have. So, again, if you're a, lift, a lifter, a young lifter especially, make sure you're listening to this entire episode because it was uh, one of my favorites and definitely going to have Gavin on again sometime. But before we get into that interview, got to talk to you guys about Leffler Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftflowerbros.com, follow them on Instagram, and check out the merchandise because it is amazing. It is dope. It is fantastic. I don't like using the word dope because I feel like I'm too old to use it, but that's the only word I can use to describe their merchandise. The designs, the graphics that they're coming out with are unique, they're new, they're fresh, and that is something you don't see a whole lot in powerlifting, especially with the clothing side. They keep on coming out with amazing, amazing designs, and... They come out with stuff you can wear in the gym, outside the gym, you're gonna look good no matter what, and on the platform as well. They got some of the best comp tees I've seen. So a lot of people are Raw nationals wearing them. I continue seeing more and more people wear LeftLar Bros merchandise on the platform, which is always is always a pleasurable site for me. So what you're gonna do is go to LeftLockBros.com, get some of their merchandise. They're coming out with new stuff. They just released some socks, different color socks. They got the cotton candy color going. I love how that's looking. Also, got dad hats coming out. You're going to use promo code 2WL15. You're going to add some stuff in that cart. Use that promo code 2WL15 at checkout. And also, on leftlovebros.com is where you can get two white lights merchandise. They have the best, they have not only the best merchandise, but they also have the best powerlifting podcast merchandise on leftflowerbros.com so remember you can get two white lights shirts we got three different designs for the tees we got a dad hat on leftflowerbros.com and use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money so put your cart in with leftflower bros and two white lights merchandise and use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money also go to rivalnutrition.com and get yourself some rival nutrition supplements the logo might have changed name might have changed the promo code might have changed as well, Angelo20, but still has Informed Choice supplements. You want to take those Informed Choice supplements because you will not get popped at a drug test. You don't want to be taking any shady or odd supplements that you can f- possibly find in pre-workouts. Informed Choice means there is no banned substances, so use that promo code Angelo20. Get yourself some rival nutrition supplements. They got pre-workout. They got protein powder. They got branched you know, man- amino acids and tons of, tons of other stuff on Rival Nutrition. So make sure you net promo code, ANGELO20. Also, make sure you're on lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. I wear Stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. And the reason why is because I love it. More and more lifters are loving it too. I've seen more people wear Stoic knee sleeves. I am telling you the reviews on the knee sleeves have been fantastic. It is one of the most affordable and best fitting knee sleeves out on out in powerlifting right now also i love the wrist straps in a singlet as well i only wear stoic gear on the platform so use that promo code angelo 10 to save yourself some money on stoic gear also make sure you're going on notorious lift instagram page sign up for the newsletter check out the website as well but especially sign up for that newsletter because notorious lift deadlift slippers they sell out and they sell out quick because they have drops. You can't just go on notoriouslift.com and get whatever you want. You got to look out for those drops. So trust me, you're gonna find a colorway that you love that matches your gym attire, that matches your platform attire, and you're just going to need to have it because you wanna look good on the platform. I know, you know, maybe the whole new age powerlifting or the tough guy powerlifters like, oh doesn't care about you shouldn't care about how you look on a platform. If you look good, you feel good and feel good, you play good. Notorious lift is gonna get you there, so you, go sign up for the newsletter make sure you are on those drops quick they sell out so fast especially if you're looking for a specific size you do not want to miss out on it so sign up for the newsletter and get yourself some notorious lift slippers also we are available on spotify we're about available on apple podcasts a lot of you listen to two thank you for that make sure you're subscribing to all platforms and especially on Apple Podcasts, leave a five star rating and a review. Those are very important for two white lights in our growth. So make sure you are doing that. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me one of the breakout stars of USAPL Raw Nationals, took second in the most competitive weight class at all of USAPL Raw Nationals. He is with me, smoking a cigar and drinking coffee, Gavin Aiden, what's up, man? What is up, oh man,
1: man. What an introduction. I don't think I've ever had an introduction that powerful, that special. So I have to give you a thank you for that. And, of course, a thank you for having me on. Man. It's, it's really is such a surreal experience to finally be uh, a part of the culture, a part of the community. For the last two years, I've kind of been outside and uh, outside looking in. So to be able to have the opportunity just to, to talk to, first and foremost, one of the best lifters in the nation, but also to be on one of the best podcasts
0: in the world, um, it's,
1: it's just a great experience. So thank you, man.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I got to thank you for joining me and having a cigar in hand. This, I want to make this like a thing or like a segment on two. I lights cigar talk because now I feel like, you know, it, when you have a cigar in hand, the conversation is always better.
1: Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it's gotta be a mandatory rule from now on.
0: Yeah. I might. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have like Jasmine Penn on here and tell her like, do you smoke? <laughs> All right, well, you're going to have to do it in this episode because now two white lights you got to have a cigar in hand or at the very least a drink. Uh, yeah, either we'll one of the win. two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but again, I've been I've been wanting to have you on for a while and I always wait because I need something to talk about with a guest. And right now I think is a perfect time because you guys listen to the recaps, you guys listen to the previews especially and we were high on Gavin Gavin, but Not to the point where I'm going to put my right hand up. We didn't have you placing on our preview. But you went out there and you went toe-to-toe with one of the best lifters in the USAPL in one of the most competitive weight classes. You put on a show. You took seconds. And on top of all that, you're still relatively new to powerlifting. You guys check his history out. We only have a handful of meets to go from, and he's already on the – he's on the – the stepping stone. He is knocking at the door of becoming a national champion and one of the best 93 kilo lifters in the world. So I guess a good way to start is how did you get your start into powerlifting and then how did you build to this point where you're challenging one of the best lifters in the USAPL?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, So first and foremost, like, I think it's really important to say this because a lot of younger lifters they, like, I feel like a lot of people are missing this piece. I've been training since I was like 11 years old. So I've been in the gym working out, doing, I mean, I, I went from bodybuilding to CrossFit to training out of an academy for Olympic weightlifting. I did all of that stuff before powerlifting. So like people see the growth and the progress, but it really has been almost over a decade now of training. So that's that's first and foremost. Um, short story on how I got into powerlifting. So I, when I was, I, I've been to two schools. So I went to Manhattan College first, right? Uh-huh. And then I transferred to Colgate. When I was at Manhattan College, I got to do two powerlifting mock meets. Had a fuck ton of fun. Um, didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know how to prep for it, peek for it, nothing. I just kind of was like, oh, let's see what I can do. Had a lot of fun. Um, and then when I transferred to Colgate, that was around the time I was Olympic lifting, and they just didn't have the equipment. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do power building for a while. It's what I love to do. So I did that for like a year. And then I was thinking to myself, like, I, I've been training for so long, but I have like nothing to show for it. So I like look in the mirror. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm starting to build muscle, and like people are coming to me for advice and whatnot. And I'm still learning from people, and it's great. But when I when I go home, like I have nothing to bring home. If that makes sense, I have no hardware, you know. And that just like made me feel kind of shitty. So there was one night when it was really late after classes. At the time, I had uh, just started a business, and um, and I was trying to like climb through the ropes with that. And long story short, I had a really bad day. It was cold out. It was like snowing, hail, all that shit. I'm walking to my car, and I'm like, "Fuck, man! Like, there's got to be more." So, I hop in my car, and I don't even turn it on, and I and I just I pull up. At the time, like Russell Orki was the guy. He was the guy I was looking up to. Him and Sean Noriega. I was like, "Dude, I, I these guys are people I idolized. I'm inspired by." I look up the records, and at the time, Russ is the champion, and he had like an 18 something total, 1830 it might have been. At the time, my total was like 1435. This was two years ago, or like two and a half, maybe three. Um, so I'm looking at the records, and I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, I could do this. I could win. Like, I could beat this guy. I just got to put on, like, 200 pounds each year. <laughs> so <laughs> that's nothing, right? Like, I'll be able to do it. So from that point on, I commit myself, um, and immediately I'm thinking, I'm going to be a world champion. Period. Like, it, it has to happen. There's too many people counting on me that believe in me, too many people I want to inspire. I just I have to do it. So that was the the... The telltale moment for me, the defining moment, um, and then ever since then I never looked back. So I, I hired a coach, did my first meet at New Jersey States, and that was it. The rest is history.
0: Yeah, and uh, the the progress has been there. And I guess uh, taking your first Raw Nationals experience in twenty nineteen in Lombard, Illinois, what were the differences between the two? Because I, I mean, I think uh, granted I have been. Ron and powerlifting a little longer than you. Not a ton. I uh, didn't get my... You know, didn't like, uh, the typical USAPL person to get to start, like, in 2014. You know, I got my start in the USAPL, actually, in 2019. And for me, 2019 Ron Nationals is a whole lot different from 2021 Ron Nationals. You know, I, I... am Very similar to you. Outsider looking in. And then you build the total where you're in the mix of things from the podium. So what was that experience like, just comparing the two?
1: Yeah, so total, like, night and day experience. I mean, my competing at 2019 Nationals, that was my second meet. Um, I had just come off of winning states with, like, a 16.05 total, Um, and that was in June. So October was, like, just a few months really away. So, like, it was that four or five months. Um, So going into Nationals... I you know at the time I was a 93 but I was underweight so like I weighed in at 198 for my uh, for my New Jersey State's meet for nationals I was like 203 and mm-hmm. I was like eating into it no cutting or anything like that um, and obviously the goal like I'm going in as like a really young junior wanting to win um, but I did shitty you know like I, I performed but you know I I ended up hitting numbers that I thought like I remember thinking to myself like dude they're, they're, I just I need to be fucking stronger I need to be better so I ended up placing. Sixth in the juniors, which would have put me at like maybe even twentieth in the open if I'm lucky. Um, so comparing the two from a performance and execution standpoint, night and day difference. Um, but also too, dude, like preparation, man. Like I was very serious about training, but I have never pushed myself to limits that I did um, in preparation for 2021 Raw Nationals. So I put my, myself through things that I never thought I could go through, and. You know, I still, like, I personally don't think it paid off because I lost. Um, but I know a lot of people who would say, you know, different. They would think that I did perform well. And, and it definitely was a nine-day difference in terms of what I had to go through and then execution, composure, all that stuff. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely, like, a lot of growth, you know, a lot of maturity between the two.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, I think, I well, that's a good mindset to be in. Uh, but I think I even told you, like, after Raw was like, dude, you just play second at the most competitive weight class at Raw Nationals, and this is, you're still getting your start, you're still finding your footing, like, that's incredible, like, that's that's a thing to be proud of, but at the same time, like, you know, I think most people who have the title of being a national champion or a world champion have the same mindset that you have, um, and I think a lot, of, like, that's an experience that I've found out in powerlifting a lot, where the highs of you accomplishing something only last so little. If you don't get number one. And yeah. even if you get number one, it's like, okay, well, there's worlds coming up. Or I know for a fact that this lifter in my federation or my division is gunning for me immediately. So I think, like, no matter what you do in powerlifting, it's like, you gotta look forward. You gotta look into how to improve. Because people are like, hey, man, how? it's like, I was expecting you to be, like, with your medal on and smoking a cigar and drinking, like, how the hell I'm like I can't celebrate third place that long. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh you know, it was the goal, we accomplished the goal, but I can't celebrate it like that much. You know, I can't rent out a party bus for third place. Yeah. It just doesn't doesn't make sense.
1: No, dude, I completely agree. I mean look, that's the beauty in it. There's always more. Um but to that point though, dude, it really just depends on like why you do what you do, man. You know, like I, I have a fucking dream, a vision to become a world champion, but it's not really for myself, like I genuinely, genuinely want to inspire and lead through action. Like, I, there are people who don't think they're capable of achieving what they can set their mind to, and I need to be the example to show them, like, yo, look at where I started, look at where I am, you can do the same fucking things. I'm not special. And I can only do that if I become a world champion. Yeah. Nobody cares about second place, you know? And so, um, and I'm okay with that, and I understand that, you know? And so... It was, it's funny. After the meet, like, when I pulled the 734, which on your podcast with Flex, um, you had mentioned, like, I think that was a perfect weight for him. That was a perfect weight for me. There perfect. was no way I was going up. Another two kilos. I told Val, she's like, dude, it was fast off the floor, but my lockout wasn't strong. If Another two kilos, and that would have been tough. So that was definitely a perfect weight. So I pulled that. I'm really happy. And I'm like, fuck, dude, like, this is great. This is great. Um, I still don't have a total understanding of powerlifting rules. So I didn't know somebody could technically, like, was going to pull for, like, potentially pull for the win. So I get to the warm-up room, and obviously everybody's crowded around the TV, and they see Keiko, and he pulls 750, and I'm like, damn, that's good for him. Like, the first thought in my mind was, like, good for him, man. Like, he, I saw him limping after his attempts, you know, trying to massage the squad and shit. So uh, when he won, like, I was, like, choking back tears because, you know, I'm not trying to break down in front of people, but I wasn't upset. Because I lost, I was upset. Because, dude, when I tell you, I gave every ounce of myself into this. I could not have given more. So to know that I did that yet still lost—that's what was really like Mm. upsetting. It was like fuck, dude. Like I don't know how much more I could have given. You know, which means that I just straight up am a loser, you know. So that—that was really the painful part. But that said, you know, I mean, like I'm very happy for uh, for Keiko. Like I I definitely, I think I wrote about this in my meet recap post too. Like. Man, I cannot imagine busting my ass, winning a national championship in 2019 and then missing my opportunity for Worlds because of a pandemic or because of something outside of my control. You know, so I was very happy for him, um, but yeah, dude, it's it's not, I don't know, it's not something to celebrate to me like I, I think it's I think it's it's a lot to learn from, you know. Uh-huh. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. Sorry, right, let's, let's let's actually go into the meat right there because when I say the 93s were the most competitive weight class, I'm not, I'm not lying about that. Because going into it, I really thought that there was like six lifters who I couldn't really decide who was going to get top three. And I think a lot of us were super high on Borkers, getting that second spot in challenging Keiko, which makes sense, but this is the beauty of Raw Nationals. You miss a few lifts, and then other people take advantage of it. And another, the other three people that I was thinking of was uh, Cam, was Kance, and then there was you, and then when we saw your squats, we are like, oh shit, Gavin could actually, like, if if, if Borker misses lifts, Gavin could actually go in there and talent, not not get second or top three, he can go in there and challenge Keiko, and that's exactly what happened. So, walk me through it, especially with squats, because there were some interesting things going on with squats. Uh, we talked about in the recap and on the interview with Joey Flex of uh, the squat there, so um, just, just take me through that, and we'll go we'll go piece by piece on that.
1: Yeah, so the best way to start that off is the water cut, so my water manipulation, like leading into the meat, just didn't work, so I was water loading, sodium loading, this was my second time doing a water cut, but it was my biggest one, I was like 214.8 every morning, pretty much, so that's what I had to cut down, uh, and it just didn't work, so Um, I flew out the day before nationals, um, had a massive headache, didn't eat anything all day, uh, no water or anything like that. I flew in and that morning I I weighed 211. I flew in, got to Daytona, felt like shit, weighed myself. I weighed 213.8. So I was like, fuck, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've never done this before. I was alone. So I was like, you know what? Well, I'm here and I committed myself to this. So we're just not going to give in. So I just made like a hotel bathroom sauna, stayed in that fucking thing for hours and then I went to bed at like 2.09, woke up 2.07, went to a sauna at a fitness club nearby and cut the rest. Um, the reason why that's important to note is because I've never done that before. Like I had no idea what a sauna water cut was going to do to me, let alone like a 10-pound water cut, and neither did my coach. So that plus, of course, as luck may have it, as I'm recomping, um, some girls come up to me. They want me to cut their wristbands. So I had a knife because that's what I used to open up this, like, jar of pineapple juice pretty much, like, to pour into my repop juice, right? So I cut the wristband and it goes straight into my finger. And I'm, like, bleeding everywhere, like, gushing blood. I was like, are you fucking Oh, kidding? my God. <laughs> my coach was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> so, again, reason why all that's important is because going into the lifts, we really had no idea what to expect. We didn't know how fast I was going to repop or anything like that. So for us, the telltale sign was 600. When I took 600 in the warm-up room, we were going to decide all right, no matter what, we're taking 640, which would have been around, like, 290 kg, and then we're going to go to our opener. But we're either going to take, like, 283 or, like, 275 or 690. I mean, uh, 683 or 690. And, um, yeah, so openers went well. The problem was for us, the or at least for me, I felt the bar whip a little bit. So I had hit my 722 only once, and it was in training, and it was on an Elego bar. I didn't feel an ounce of whip on that. Like, it felt easy squatting that. Mm-hmm. But, again, it was an illegal bar, and I didn't have to cut. I was filled with fuel. I was filled with food and water. I felt good. had a lot of people around me, a lot of my friends. So it was a very, very different environment for this next 722. So my coach had given me the option. He was like, dude, man, we're already in the lead. We're pretty secure. Nobody's going to touch you on squat. This was after the 705. He's like, do you want to go 722 or 727? Keep in mind, um, I didn't do my homework. I thought the record was 749, not 731. Mm. Big difference. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, okay, well, there's no shot at an American record. It's not worth trying for that. Um, and I was like, you know what? If we already have the lead, given the competition, let's secure it even more. Like, I don't want to take any crazy risks here if we don't need to. That's why I went with 722. It ended up moving really, really well. Um, and I'm okay with that, man. Like, honestly, it, it's... It's fine because what would have happened if I had missed, you know, seven thirty, thirty, you know, I'm confident it's my I don't know how confident I would have been going into like seven forty, you know. Um, but yeah, and then I, I know that the the, the seven twenty two was protested, so I was in the warm up room with Kamen. We were just kind of like shooting the can, and Kamen uh, comes up to me and he's like yo, so a lot of the coaches want to protest your third attempt, and I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I, I, don't, I honestly did not know the rules, so I was like, okay, I mean, like, they don't, they don't want it to be, like, bright-lighted or whatever. He's like, yeah, pretty much. So, Flex, uh, what What happens is, I, I turn to my left, I see Flex and Alex kind of, like, arguing, right? I'm like, fuck,
0: dude, what's going on? So, <laughs> That's so always a good I'm, thing to see when you're an athlete, is like, are those two coaches arguing with each other? What's going on?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's going on? So, I uh, I'm about to I, so I go to approach them and just trying to like you know ease a situation you know figure what's out, figure out what's going on or whatever and then that's when I found out that to, Plexa-
0: I guess it's called reverse protesting is that right I mean it's just uh, I I don't know the proper uh, verbiage for it but it's just you know you, if you have a two white lights call you get to protest it because uh, that's that's kind of your right and you get that's why that's why the USAPL has a jury just in case there's gotcha. There's a missed call, which does happen. It's like almost like throwing a challenge flag in the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he protested my squat. Apparently a lot of other coaches wanted it to be done. And uh, which is whatever, you know. But I honestly was not. I wasn't upset about that. The reason why there was some bickering in the back, which I just wanted to pick up, was because Flex had done that, and then I guess they, you know, when they rejected his protest, Alex like leaned over and was like, Oh, you're salty, huh? And then that kind of started like a little <laughs> bit of bigger. Um, now there is, I know there's previous beef between flex and hybrid. Alex is no longer associated with hybrid. He doesn't like hybrid. You think, you know, it's, it's just, I don't want to speak on him because you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I just know that he's completely disassociated from them for good reason. Um, and so I guess that kind of played into some of like the, whatever the bickering and whatnot, we're all good now. Like we made up afterwards and like everybody's chill. Um, but yeah, so like, that's why there was some bickering back and forth. Um, and I, you know, dude, like, I'm not going to lie. I am probably the only person who thinks this in the sport, but I really do think protesting another lifter squat is like a bitch made move. Like, I really think it's soft. Like, I know a lot of people say, well, it's like football. Dude, you gave me, everybody says that analogy, but this is the difference. Are you ready? I'm going to yeah. drop a bomb on you. In football, each team probably averages like a hundred plates, right? And how many challenges do you get? Like Two. If the first one's successful, right? In powerlifting, you get nine attempts. Yeah. So you protest the lift. That's like t- over 10% worth of that person's total or that, that person's success rate dropped. Whereas in football, that's like 1% to 2%. So it is a big difference, especially because you do have three judges. It is game day. And to me, like if I win because I had to take a lift away from somebody, that doesn't mean I was stronger. You see what I mean? And it's just from my standards. It's like I'm here to be the strongest motherfucker in the room, and I have all the love and respect for my competition. I want them to be strong, so that means that I have to outcompete. That doesn't mean I have to try and steal something away from them if the judges already gave it to them, you know. But I do. I'm all for like if you got like a two white light like, lift, or sorry, like a two reds and a white or something like that. And you want to be like, no, we're gonna bomb out. We gotta protest it. That's fine. You know, it's your own lift. But, again, I know it's a very controversial
0: take on it, yeah. but I just I mean, had to throw that out. I would assume, I mean, I, I get, I, there's always flip sides to it, right? Like, there's there's opinions on how you compete in the sport. But in my in my opinion, when it comes to powerlifting, how many times do we see shitty judging or, I'm not saying the judges were, judging was shitty, but I'm saying, how many times do we see it? And how many times do we see either a record being upheld because of a potential missed call? So if you're a coach in that circumstance, which the name of the game is to win, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't challenge it because that's what you're trying to do. It is competition. Actually, on top of that, though, like with powerlifting, that's what kind of makes the challenges like so crazy. It's like, uh, you know, it's it's because you only get those nine tries. So, like, you're all huddled around seeing if, like, it's going to completely dictate the competition, and if it does, it's, like, such a, I think, almost an entertaining aspect of it from a spectator's view, but also as a competitor, it makes everything so much more intense uh, uh, as, as, a, as a lifter. But, um, I mean, I, I could see, if you have a disagreement with it, like, it, it, you know, people are entitled to their opinions, but, I don't know, in my, in my, in my circumstance, like, that's just such a USAPL thing. Like to challenge other lifters. Like I bought the example up on the other platform. Matt Gary challenges uh, Ashton's deadlift, and I was like, that looked good to me. And I think at like Matt Gary thought it was a good blood deadlift too. But he's like, hey, I'm here. I have a hundred dollars in my pocket. If I lose this, that's, that's the penalty of it, is to give a hundred dollars away. But uh, I mean. I don't know. I would say, like, because, I mean, how many times does Garrett fear get on uh, get on his Instagram and talk about, you know, inconsistent judging? But USAPL has, like, the actual thing to stop that. Um, but I will say this. It's very, very difficult to overturn a call in, and like, the USAPL. Especially a two-white lights lift. A two-red lights lift, a little bit easier. It happened with Jasmine Penn and Michael C, where he challenged it. He got the lift because... I don't know, it was just a missed call, and the judges, or the jury, had a little bit better view on overturning that. In that circumstance, they, it just felt like... What's up?
1: Do they review a film? Like, how do they how do they decide whether or not... The jury, the jury
0: just has a different view. So, like, they will go... I actually don't know the exact process of it. Maybe someone could uh, educate me on that, but they have a different angle of it. So, you know how, like, we're sitting in the stands, I mean, like, they call that ramping? Really? Well, the jury is closer to the action... And they're all USAPL judges themselves. So they can be like, okay, I disagreed with that judge, and all of our jury disagreed with that particular judge. So we're going to overturn the call.
1: Now, see, I think on a national level, they should be filming this stuff from the best angle possible. They can decide. I don't care. And then, after, when something's protested, on either you're protesting another lifter's lift or your own, the film should be reviewed. And then that way, not only does that provide even more incentive for us not to go crazy with it because it chews up time. But on top of that, it's like, look, if you're gonna protest my shit, that's fine. But then it better be legit. It better not be any politics involved. Because yeah. to me, again, I, it goes back to that one circumstance where it's like, yo, I want to be the strongest. If I'm gonna sacrifice as much as I've given, if I'm gonna, I mean, everything. if you know this. You're a top level competitor. Like you're giving so much of your life right. yourself to this one competition. It's not. It's not like football. We don't have a bunch of games in the season. You know, we have one. So. When you look at it that way, it's like, dude, so much riding on this. At least give me a legit way well, that I can look at it and be like, you know what?
0: I'm good. Well, well, here's the, exa- well, here's the example I'll bring up. Because, like, all right, so I can actually understand and have empathy for it. Because if that happened to, say, one of my deadlifts, uh, two, uh, two white lights lift, Joey comes in. Uh, because that's, I mean, I'm not using him because that's the example. I'm using him because that's who would be challenging it, is Joey. Because he has the top 83s on uh, the USAPL. So if he challenges it, and it gets overturned, I will definitely be pissed off. I will be salty about it. But then I would be like, okay, flip it. If Russ got a two white lights lift at Nationals, uh, like in 2019, for example, if he had two white lights Nationals, and Joe didn't go out and challenge that shit, so I could actually have a vic- clear, path vi- clear path to victory, Or a chance of victory against the top uh, 83 in the world, I would be so pissed off of my coke. I'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I thought that was high from where I was standing. You're going to get him, you're going to pass him on that bullshit call. Like, and if you're taking 2019 Raw National as an example, if he got two two white lights on that lift, where I thought it was so borderline, if he would have got two white lights, and I don't know who was handling Noriega on that day, I'm like, yeah. Noriega's coach, whoever it is, his handler, has to go out there and challenge it just because that's the aspect of competition. But, I mean, I think at top-level top, top competitors, like, I, I still think uh, it's okay to be pissed off about it, but you also have to have empathy on why it's happening, you know? Because no, like, sure. I'm, I'm such a competitor myself, if my coach didn't stand up for me, i will be like, what the fuck are you doing? And Joe, if you're listening right now... And you don't challenge like one of these calls if it comes down to me getting first at Raw Nationals 2022. We're gonna have some issues. we during bench <laughs> and deadlift. I'm still gonna be salty about it. So, so it is. It is you're one of those things. It's, it's it's one of those things where like competitive competitiveness works both ways. From like from the challenging perspective, but also from you know the aspect of getting salty about it. So it's like if you're the athlete, you're kind of just like you gotta. Of course, you're going to get pissed off if the lift gets taken away from you. You can't, you can't blame a lifter for that. You can't. But also, if you think a, a squat was bullshit, which I'm going to use 2019 as an example, a lot of lifters thought that Russ squatted way high on his third attempt. A lot of lifters.
1: Why? Wait, why wasn't it nobody protested
0: it? It was three white lights. You can't protest the three white lights lift.
1: You Can't protest it. So, so yeah, I would.
0: From my understanding, if Joey would have if you would have got a two white lights lift on your second attempt, you would have protested, but you, you got three white lights. So you can't do that. So like yeah. if it's three white lights and it's just your, your, your stop there, but I could guarantee at 2019 Raw Nationals, if you got two white lights, someone would have protested because that would have just meant that he bombed out. Right. Like it's the name of the game. And I think, uh, I think Joe, that's, I think Joey Flex would you. have to agree with it. Like he's, he's the coach who he's, the, he's the top coach. Like, if someone processes Russ's call, it's like, yeah, you got, hey, live by the sword, die by the sword. You got to deal with it, man.
1: No, 100%. I, I look, I sound, I'm very salty, of course, obviously. Every right to be. Yeah,
0: I would, I would, I would technically be, too.
1: I totally agree. I see it from your perspective, man, and I get it, and I I spoke to, like, a number of athletes afterwards about it, too, and I totally, I really do understand, and look, it's in the rules, so I'm not saying, like, oh, you know, you shouldn't do blah, blah, do what you want. If it's in the rules, it's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. The only again from me from like a moral high ground perspective, it's like, but damn, dude, like I just I win. I want to know I truly won, you know. And and but to that point though, like I didn't know that if it's a three white life lift, they can't even you know they they can't protest it at all. So I didn't know that. So that definitely changes the game a little bit. Maybe I just need to do a better job of getting three white lights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if I could do it on my second attempt, why can't I do it on my third? You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh so, no, I completely agree with you on that. But that also kind of speaks like why Raw Nationals is so fucking crazy. It's, like, because that stuff, too, comes into play. Like, uh, that happened Noriega at 2018 Worlds, but dude screwed it. Like, it was a 2 white lights deadlift. I don't know, I don't know IPF works. I don't know, because, I don't know if a coach protests in it, because they're from the same country, the United States. So I don't know, like, who would protest. I think within the IPF, it's their own decision to protest things. Or to say like uh, the jury thinks that the uh, the platform referees got it wrong, and that happened that happened to Noriega. He got he got two white lights on his lift. It looked good. He goes into the back thinking he won. Comes comes two. They protested it. Two red lights, and Gruden wins. Like, dude, of course I would be pissed off in that situation. Uh-huh. Like you cannot be. And in that circumstance, I don't think a coach protested it. I think it's just the IPF officials protesting it. For a certain reason, so it's like a real tough situation to be in as a competitor, but that's what makes these lifts or these competitions so damn crazy. Like, that's why I think uh, Raw Nationals and IPF World sets itself apart from, like, things like the Kern and things like Hybrid and those big meets on the other federations is because you really have this aspect of competitive sports involved into it where it's just a fucking, just a nerve forduring experience. Uh, like, I mean, granted, like, I didn't even know from a competitor, like, from a competitor's standpoint that uh, Deuce Gruden, for example, got two red lights on his lift from his deadlift. Joey protested it, lost the protest. I didn't even know, but if I knew that, that's like a nerve-wracking experience. Like, okay, if he has this lift, that means I have to jump seven kilos in my deadlift. And we gotta hit that shit now. So, I don't know, It, it does. it does speak to it, but from, from, uh, from my understanding, and this is actually this is something that's not even it's not even crazy to think, but from a nationals experience where you, this is like your first national experience in the mix of things, as far as like trying to play the competitive field. Um, so now that you know the world or the American record squat, because this was a point of the uh, a point of conversation that was brought up on the recap and the one with Joey Flex. If you knew the American record squat, would you have gone for it? Because I thought, I think it's at seven thirty. I thought you definitely had it. Now I need—I needed to be educated on the American record squat. But uh, would you have gone from it?
1: Uh, you know, it, that's a really, really good question. Alex and I talked about this extensively afterwards. Um, it's tough because Alex gave me the choice. I trust whatever Alex thinks, whatever my coach thinks is best. I know he has my best self interest at heart. I know he's competitive. I know he wants to win. So whatever he decides, I trust him wholeheartedly. Um, that said, given the choice again, I think I probably would have went seven thirty two or whatever I would have needed to break the record. But again, dude, it's impossible for me to erase hindsight. Like yeah. I know what was done and I know like okay. First of all, the seven twenty two really did move super super smooth for me. Um, I felt like I sunk it, and usually when I feel like I sunk it, that means my control was was on point, um, which means that it's possible that an extra you know seven to ten pounds was there. But then again, it is seven to ten pounds. You know, I've never yeah. I've never taken anything over the seven twenty two before. So knowing what I know now, absolutely. In that moment before, not knowing what I know now, I think I think I definitely would have been leaning more towards the seven thirty one, and I say that because. It was actually right when we put it in at the table, 7.22, like, I rushed over to him because he was handling came in as well. I rushed over to him. And I was like, yo, is it too late to put in 7.27? And he's like, yeah, you can get a pass. So I already had that in my head, like, fuck. It's only five fucking pounds. Why didn't I just go 7.27? So I think, like, given that that's how my, my mindset was then, I definitely would have put with 7.31 for the record.
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is... It is an interesting scenario, but with records, I think it's different because like almost the same, like with, with me competing at the 83s, like the whole conversation with me and Joe, it's like, okay, do we want to do 300 kilos today? And then I'm like, okay, well, let's look at my second attempt. It's 285. We're jumping up to 297. If I miss 300, I'm done. I'm fucked. I don't podium. It's over. The competition is over for me during uh, squats that's a hard thing to really internalize granted it wasn't a record but then you're thinking to yourself does that two and a half kilos even matter like how is the rest of the competition going to play out it's a little bit different scenario because we have the deadlift to always fall back on like it's always like oh okay two and a half seven kilos maybe we can put that on the bar for the third lift like or the last deadlift who knows but i do understand the situation that you're in it's like you know, you got to think about those things. Like, you don't you don't know until you know, and then you blow up your third attempt. And then, I, I remember uh, Joe Sanik was right by me, because he was even doing, I mean, as a spectator, he was just by me, putting in the American records, like, because he's like, oh, man, like, the American records, you know, he could chip it right now. He could chip it, and I didn't know that. So, it's like, that's always, that's always a little strategy comes into play, because those chips are so important in powerless. I mean, the chip... The tip helped me a ton, like, within it. And then the chip, the chip kind of helped Heiko as well.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm going to be honest, dude. My philosophy on competing is very different. Like, all my PRs, I want to happen in a training. Mm-hmm. Game day is a day for conservative attempts to lock things up. Like, dude, if I could, I want my third attempts to be conservative, RPE fucking seven or eight, but so strong that nobody can touch me. Like, that's the goal. Yeah. So I'm cool with locking things in. And it's like you said, bro, like, dude, man, the competition, man, like going in, I'm thinking to myself, every single lifter I'm up against can pull for the win,
0: except mm-hmm. for
1: me. That's it. I'm the only person who really can't pull for the win here. And so going into that, I'm thinking like, all right, well, that means that I need to be conservative, but precise with my squats. No bullshit, no, you know, anxiety, no, oh, my God, you no know, cutting depth, none of that. Confidence, composure, get it done. That was the goal, and we got it done with 722. Question was, could we have gotten it done with more? I think it's there, um, but again, dude, like it's a different ball game when you're going for a PR. It's on a national stage, dude. I didn't even really recognize that I was lifting until deadlifts. Like I was still so like yeah. going from from literally, like I drove from the sauna straight to weigh-ins. I got lucky; my time was right there. I weighed in at 90, uh, 92.5. Got my shit together. Cut my finger. Like it was all so fast that like. I was just like, dude, let's just keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. Don't even hesitate. So, yeah, definitely hindsight probably would have went up. But in the heat of it, dude, like, I'm cool with a conservative 722, you know, put points on the board, and and that's all that matters, so.
0: Yeah. You have that information, too, for other meets now. You know what I mean? Like, that's also an important factor is, like, you have this information for other meets. And it is, I think, uh, we're talking about hindsight so much, where I have these conversations after nationals. It's like, it is kind of, it is kind of understandable at someone's first real competitive Raw Nationals that they wouldn't know these things. It is understandable because it's just not the most common thing. It's it's not common in powerlifting. I'll tell you that, guys that right now. This isn't common in powerlifting. Um, it's just, it's a very specific thing with Raw Nationals because it's really, like we talked about it uh, with uh, Joe Stanek when we had the coach-client confidential. It's like, Raw Nationals isn't necessarily just trying to PR your total. Of course, that's the goal, but you're taking what you can get to win. Telling that to other powerlifters is like, wait, what? You don't just try to RP10 and YOLO your third attempts? like, no, like that's safe. For us, that's safe for local meets and maybe the Arnold. The Arnold will be the time where you try to do that because unless you're going for best overall lifter, no one cares if you won your weight class at the Arnold. Raw Nationals, it means something. It means a world spot. And also with, you know, how things are progressing – World spot and potential world championships could mean Sheffield. So it's like there's a lot at stake at Raw Nationals with winning your weight class. It's not necessarily, you know, there's no money involved, but there's a whole lot of prestige involved to it too, and it's the ladder that you're gonna step into go to IPF world. So it is kinda like it is uh it is a different conversation you're having with other lifters when they don't fully understand the the dynamic of Raw Nationals. Is that's that's what it is, but like, uh, and also this, again, I, I'm going to reiterate, it's your first time through. Like, your first time through, you're you're still kind of, you don't have that veteran experience where Keiko has it, where actually every other person, maybe aside from you and Cam, had it in the 93s, because Chance Mitchell definitely knows, coached by Eric Boghorn. Eric's been here many and many a time, so he knows it. Um, you know, who's the... Who is the uh, Connor Borker? Definitely knows that he's got Brad Coolyard as a coach. Like, it, you know cares, you? Yeah, it's like they're all they've all been it, they've all seen it, they've all been through it before. Um, Grant, dude, if I if I didn't have a coach, I would know none of the shit. I would know none of it. And I have a powerlifting podcast where I cover powerlifting, and I still don't know that shit. Like, go had to do all these. Actually, Joe and the team had to do all, all yeah. that stuff for me because I'm not focusing on the records that day. It's like, no, nope, this is your guys' shit. You guys do deal with it today. I'm not even paying attention to the list aside from my own, so.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree, dude. And honestly, like, I have a, I've adopted this. There's a quote on my board, on my whiteboard that I've had for, like, the last two years. It basically goes like, you know, champions take full responsibility for the outcome no matter what. So that means no matter who made a decision, no matter who fucked up, mm-hmm. no matter what call was made, no matter, it doesn't matter, it's always my fault. There's always something I can do to improve. So with that mindset, it allows me to then take this experience and be like, okay, I'm on the world stage, right? We have the same exact situation ahead of us. We're battling it out. And I know that if I'm going to get ahead, it's going to be on squat. Do we take the risk? You know, and, and again, it's going to be that same exact decision. And again, I can take this experience with me, man. Like it's, you're absolutely right. And I, I, it helps to have a coach. It helps just to have somebody there who you can confide in and be like, dude, honestly, man, like, I don't know, like. I trust you. Like, make whatever decision you think is best, and I'll roll with it. Whether we win or lose doesn't matter. Like, I'm confident in my trust, not necessarily
0: in the decision. So therefore, I'm comfortable with whatever the decision is. Mm-hmm. made. You know? Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, it's actually a pretty good philosophy of going about doing things, and I think uh, I think that mindset's going to be good for you know future competitions for you going forward. So, all right, let's let's move on from squats because obviously we're, we're going to talk a lot about the squat there. Um, so. During bench press, just uh, I would assume is just you're coasting at that point to the deadlift, and I think the deadlift was something that was really was was I, in my opinion your most impressive lift was your deadlift throughout the day because you were you were talking to me about grip. So when I have that inside information, I'm like, okay, let's see how grip holds up for him. But you killed it with the grip, cut finger and all, like. How how do deadlifts feel for you? they looked, they looked about as crisp as I ever seen you deadlift on competition day, which is not not the easiest thing to do, especially at a at a fast paced meet. Like Raw National's is fast paced. Like as soon as you're done with the lift, you gotta get back in back and get start getting ready for the warm ups because there is no downtime in between.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I just want to note, like, that was the fastest meet I've ever, ever, ever done. Like, even faster than 2019 nationals. I genuinely felt like it was nonstop. Like, I was in a normal training session, and, like, it just, yeah, it was crazy. But, yeah, man, like, deadlifts, I mean, I'm never happy with deadlifts. They never feel easy. It could be 405 or it could be 734. It doesn't matter. It always feels tough. Um, my, you know, it's it's funny. I don't really have, it's not grip not grip strength that's the issue it's grip technique so grip mm. technique for me has been a huge problem dude like in training i tear up my hands 24 7 it hurts it sucks and it's like it's one of those things where like on a, on a single i can make it work anything on for a single i'm already in pain like it's crazy so grip technique is definitely an issue um but that said i'm definitely going to be working on that from here from this point forward the 734 dude like just put it in perspective, like. 722 squat super smooth probably had more 734 deadlift only about 10 pounds higher what that was it that was yeah you see what i'm saying so like i really need to figure out what the fuck i need to do positioning wise grip technique wise everything to improve my deadlift because it's just not in a place that's going to help me win um you know if anything too like unfortunately just because of my positioning and stuff like that like it's my lockout gets tough so yeah in terms of grip like i grab unfortunately i don't think the, the listeners can see it but i grab the bar i wrench all the way into my hand so like i dig the bar so deep into my thumb and my palm it's not hanging at my fingertips like it does for most people yeah. the Best people i can look at is like you or chance right so you guys have like a really nice clean grip on it where you're using almost like literally almost looks like your hands are strapped Um, And it it almost looks like it feels like that for you guys. For me, it's the opposite. I'm like wrenching in, squeezing that bar as hard as I can, get as much slack as I can, and then I just pull. Um, But yeah, dude, grip was fine. The only time I run into issues is my quad. So because I mixed grip, if I pull too far into myself and my quad pushes the bar out, it pushes the bar to roll on my uh, my underhand side, and that's Mm -hmm. that's when I lose grip. So I had some issues with that, yeah. Yeah. And around the time that I reached out to that, that's what was going on.
0: You know what, though, is crazy? Um, is because I think when you look, at I've been talking a lot about this, this in personal conversations, not so much about the podcast on the podcast. But you're a person who has leverages for squat and uh, back. Yeah. But you have, even though you like, of course, you're going to say your deadlift needs more work. But you have put in so much good work with your deadlift, where it's actually, I mean, it's it's great for ninety threes. But also, it's one of these things that lifters neglect so much. They find such an easy out with their grip strength. And you're like, well, my positioning needs to be improved in order for my deadlift to become better. Like That's the perfect pl- philosophy to have in improving a lift. Uh, and I see so many lifters. It's, it's very easy to blame your grip on things. It's very hard to program things and work on your technique. But you've done that. You, you haven't really used the grip as a clutch you, or as a crutch. You have found a way to improve your deadlift. And really, you're doing all the right things that's going to improve your deadlift. You're thinking about the right things. You're thinking about how you're going to create the most leverage in order for you to deadlift uh, smoothly. Because you bought up my deadlift, for example, 2019 Raw Nationals, people are like, oh, grip's an issue for him. He miss his last deadlift on grip. Like, no, motherfucker, I didn't miss my I didn't miss my last deadlift on grip. I missed my last deadlift on my deadlift. My deadlift wasn't good. It like it took too long for me to lock out, and my efficiency was not was not there. Same thing with my prep to the Arnold. I miss a, I missed a deadlift on grip, and people are like, oh god, like you might have to switch a hook grip. Like no, I need to work on my deadlift. My deadlift is key. The positioning of it is key. So. I think in your case, like you're doing all the right things to improve your deadlift. You're trying to find ways to help your leverage a little bit more. And your grip isn't bad. It isn't. The only time I see grip bad is if it's slipping out of your hands midway through your pull. That's when your grip is bad. Your grip isn't failing on you midway through the pull. Really, I think you've, you've blocked it down pretty well uh, from from training to Raw Nationals. And even in your training, it's like it doesn't seem like grip's that much of an issue anymore because uh, I mean, I think you've done all the right things to make sure that it was an issue for you, but I think for future meets, uh, just watching your deadlift, um, I think, uh, the, the progression is definitely there.
1: Is there anything you, any advice you'd give me to start working on positioning wise or anything, or even anything from grip technique to positioning, anything that you think I should definitely start implementing?
0: Um, I have to watch a little bit more of your deadlift, but Huh, I don't know. I like you're doing the right things as far as like trying to because your uh, your leverages are not really great for deadlift, right. and you've but you've done all the things that make your deadlift good. You know what I mean? Like uh, so, Ashton Rauska had a big had had a great conversation with me once, and something I didn't think of is there's three things lifters rely on. Number one being leverage. All the best lifters in the world have good leverages, on at least two or three lifts. They do. Uh, the second thing is just being strong, having muscle on your body. That's 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 that's, that's the way you're going to get through those sticking points. That's the way you're going to get through your 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 uh, any struggle that you have. Muscle will help you. It is powerlifting. You know, it is weightlifting. People try to rely so much on leverage. It's like, hey, let's just build a big back. big Build a big chest. Get jacked. Get strong. Like, the sport is about being strong. We're all muscle heads. Try to be a muscle head. I think people get away from the second part especially, which you have not done. That's the key I'm about what I'm about to say for the third one. And the third one is technique. So technique, doing the right things, is going to help you improve upon a lift. Those two, like, if, if one is lacking, you have to improve upon the other thing. But the thing is, you're born with leverages. You're born with that. You can help yourself through technique get better leverages, but you're born with a leverage. So if something is not there, you got to work on the other two harder. So in your case with the deadlift, you have to work on the strength, which I think with the, the, with the, with the base and the, the, the size you put on, that's what's helping you. The other one is technique, which, again, your technique is fine. You're doing the right things. You're pulling towards yourself. You're not pitching the bar forward. Uh, With your lockout, the only thing I would say, which I don't know what you're doing, uh, a cue that's worked with with me is Joe told me, as soon as I break the floor, think about the lockout. Try to lock out the lift. Uh, Because he's like, you're waiting towards the very last moment to lock out. Like, as soon as that weight comes up, which your leverage is are good for it, so all you gotta do is lock your knees out sooner and you're gonna get that snapping effect that locks in your deadlift. That's gonna help, but I think uh, like your technique, your technique is hard to perfect every single lift. Like there's occasional times where I fuck up my deadlift it's like deadlift is the most nerve wracking lift for me because I open with seven oh five. So if I fuck up seven oh five I could miss my opener pretty easily, and that puts me in a weird position throughout the entire meets. And it does happen. Like I occasionally push the bar forward just a little bit with my technique. My leverages help me, but I could I could screw up a opener where you know the other two the other two lifts are affected by it as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I appreciate it because I actually took some notes. Um, deadlift for me is by far the most nerve wracking because I can it's not it's not reliable for me. Like if I have way too much fatigue, my pull's not going anywhere. Like it's just not. I'm like, I probably can't even break 660 off the floor if I have too much fatigue. So it's very, very dependent on how much uh, CNS fatigue I'm carrying, how much general fatigue I'm carrying. And then also too, like, because it's not reliable, there's this confidence issue where it's like, fuck. Like, and especially with sumo, conventional, I feel like you can muscle to an extent. Sumo, if I am out of position, my back is not lifting the weight off the floor. It's not fucking happening. If my hips are not through and under, like, the bar's not moving. And so that's the other scary thing. That means that I have to take my time with my attempts. And so like when I get up to the bar, I have to like be so amped up that I'm willing to fight through anything, but so calm that I actually take my time to brace and pull all that slack out of the bar before I start moving. And that like dichotomy has been really hard balance to strike. Yeah. Um, I I got lucky, you know, in that the last few weeks with the pauses, it really helped. The six eighty three by two pause gave me a really big confidence boost. Yeah. Um, But, you know, but aside from that, dude, it's
0: always a struggle. Yeah, and that's something, too. uh, That's a perfect programming thing for me is pause. I was having a conversation about this, too, as far as pause deadlifts go. People don't know what a pause deadlift is supposed to do. It's helping your positioning. People think it's a feat of strength, pausing your deadlift. Uh, It's like, no, all you're trying to do is when you break the floor, you're in proper positioning to help your deadlift lock out. You're trying to make your deadlift as efficient as possible. So... I think I think you and Alex are gonna do the right things for your deadlift. Um, it's just gonna come with time, and really, you've you killed it on deadlifts. Like you still did. Like with seven thirty four, I'm like, if I was predicting your numbers, that would be like the absolute top end for you, and you nailed it. Like you hit it so you hit it perfectly, and from here on out, it's gonna be a more improved lift and a more polished lift for you. But uh, it's just um, like every. Every lifter, every lifter has that one lift that just doesn't click for, right? You're good at, at most lifters, unless you're fucking Taylor Atwood, who's amazing at all three. He sets world records at every single lift that he does. Uh, it, one of the lifts is something that can be a, a problem for you. Like for me, it's my bench press. So for bench press, very similar to those three things I'm talking about, my leverage isn't there. I obviously have a good leverage for deadlift and squat. Bench press, not the best leverages, so what do we have to do? We gotta get jacked. We gotta get stronger. But also, we gotta work on technique and nailing it enough times where I'm able to do something on the platform at all times. And right now we're still working on getting a little bit more of a big physique going, but also we fuck up I fuck up something on my technique like every training session. Like we got to dial that down. It's just a hard, it's a hard lift for me to get down. So it's like, where you have your struggles on deadlift, I have my struggles with bench. Same thing with Russ. Russ on his deadlift. Russ has to really work on a lot of things, and things got to go perfectly for him to deadlift a certain weight. Because he talked about uh, moving the grip down a little bit on his hands, where he had more leverage. That is something that's still hard to execute. Like he put 750 up in the gym, then on the platform. He couldn't get 738 past his knees, right? Like, that's that's where his, even though his leverages are pretty good for it, but that's where he hits that struggle is on that certain point with his lift. But the other two lifts, he kills us on. So it's it's like a, it's a story that all lifters have. Like, you yeah. have to work through either a lack of leverage, but there is a way to do it. I've seen so many lifters do it. I've seen, let me rephrase that, so many good lifters do it. Like, where they're actually able to, to work on that stuff. Because a lot of a lot of lifters who get stuck in a predicament, they always blame something. They always rely on their lack of leverages as a reason why they can't do a lift. This is, like, that's a lazy thing. Like, all of us have some sort of reason why we're not good at something. You got to work on it. Like, that's, that's a funny thing when I talk to people. Like, you got to put more effort in on bench. Like, I think about my bench press so much. I think about my bench press way more than my squat and deadlift. Like, because it's not, it's like, that's, that's what, like, you think, because in your mind, it's an effort thing. It's not an effort thing. And you obviously put a ton of effort into your deadlift. And that's why it's improving. And that's why you're second place. That's why you're, that's why you have a 115 lift points. That's why you're one of the best lifters in the 93s. Because you work on that shit. So many lifters don't work on that stuff. They rely on an excuse. You're not using an excuse. If anyone's listening, this is how you get better at lifting. This is how you do it. You work harder. You work harder at the thing you suck at.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, I really, really do. It's again, it goes back to that mentality. If you just have this mindset of like, first you lock in on a goal with a really big, super ambitious vision, and then it's just like, dude, man, every every outcome is my fault, no matter what. If it's good, bad, I have to- I that the power is in me. Like, the, the game changes for you. But also, too, what's helped me is like, I'm not afraid. I don't have, I have a lot of pride, but I've been lucky in that if I set it aside, I can learn from other lifters. My squat got good because I would study Ashton Ruska's squat. Like, mm-hmm. I would look at how he controls 820-something, and I'm like, dog, if this motherfucker can do it, that means 722 should be a breeze for me, right? That's just how I think. But then I think, like, why isn't it? And I look at how he squats. He controls that bar. Not from the top to a quarter squat. He controls that shit all the way into the hole and then comes out. As soon as I did that, things changed, right? Yeah. On my bench. My bench, I used to, when I competed at my meet in last August, I had an 1830 total. I was like, oh, wow, that's really good. I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, but my bench was shit. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what can I do? At the time, I used to super externally rotate my shoulders, bring my elbows in, flare them out. Then I started studying Borkert and Keiko. And they, they slightly internally rotate their shoulders for their grip. And they keep their elbows in, like, a weird plane. Like, it stays in the same plane. And then, like, and I'm still trying to evolve my bench so that I can get it closer to k And the whole point is I'm learning. Like, I'm looking yeah. at how you pull. I'm looking at how Chance pulls. I'm like, I know we all have the same leverages, but what, what principles are they applying to their pull that I can still take with me? And, and all these little things, like, dude, every prep, these subtle changes happen, and that's what leads to the result, you know? So it's, I'm never... I've been blessed, man. I've never had this mindset where it's like, oh, well, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, no, no, no. If we want to get to the next level, there has to be improvements. There has to be a way to innovate. you know? And training is the place to do that. Like, right? that's where you fuck up. That's where you bleed. That's where you cry. That's where all that shit happens. That way on the platform, execution is on point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, man. I completely agree. And also, like, where, where that comes in, it's like, uh, like having that little... Almost a short-term memory of like something you did well, but know for a fact, I, I've said like you're still in this fight. You're still in this dogfight to continue to be within the ninety threes. Like you still, any at any point, some lifter can have a breakthrough. Like as you're working, as you're working, Connor's working, Hans is working, Keiko's definitely working, Cam is working. All these guys are working, and you have to improve even upon the shit that you're good at. Because I'm, I, that's I told everyone, I'm like, guys, you're saying like, oh, you know, you got top three. You're one of the best 83s. Wait till Noriega has another meet. I can't wait to hear your opinion of me then. Because your opinion of me then is going to get reduced because Sean's going to be working. He's not sitting on his ass right now. Guarantee you. I guarantee you that. And when you look at someone's total, they're always like, oh, okay. So in a year, you could total 40 kilos more. Like, yeah, I could total 40 kilos more, but hopefully Russ is sitting on his ass drinking, you know, uh, drinking beer and eating Cheetos the entire time, because he's going to prove his total from when I prove my total. It's like, so I got to get better at my deadlift, too. I got to get better. I definitely got to get better at my bench. And also, you said, it's like, it's always on the athlete's fault. Like, Joe has worked so fucking hard for me to have a good deadlift or a, a good bench press. We've tried six days a week on bench. We tried five days. We tried technique changes. At the end of the time, now, this time, it's just me coming down to execute it. We had progress in our bench, but we've stagnated. And really, the only person to blame for that is not Joe, because he's programmed his ass off in order to find any little thing to make me a competitive bench presser. Now, it's up to me. Now I got to execute. Now I have to do the right things that he tells me to do. And it's difficult. Like it doesn't come naturally. Squat. Things came a little bit more naturally to me. I'm able to, you know, lock in those cues a little bit. Deadlift comes a little bit more naturally. Bench press. It doesn't come naturally. It's something I have to study. I have to work on. And really, like, if you talk to every single lifter that comes on two white lights, because I mean, newsflash: the people come on two white lights are typically elite level lifters. They have the same. They have the same mindset. They have the same. They have the same philosophy when it comes to training, is to work on the things that you're good at, but also really, really work on the things that you're not good at.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's a great mindset to have. I mean, like, it, it's it really does kind of come down to, and it sounds super corny and cliche, but it comes down to how bad you want. Like, I'm literally, my notes in my phone, I've got thousands of pages filled with July 3rd of 2018, I did this on my deadlift, it felt really good. Let's do it again if things start to feel shitty. I have favorited videos where I just sit in my basement recording how I walked out my, I literally have this on my phone, how I walked out my 722 at what was going through my mind, how was my composure, what was I thinking, what music was I listening to. That way when things go to shit, I have something to refer to. Like, all these little things that nobody gets to see, that's the stuff that in my mind, and, and I don't know because I'm not a champion, but I would imagine those are the things that build the champion and, yep. and help build a long-term success in the sport you know, or in any
0: sport absolutely yeah no you're you're 100 right on that also you know thinking about long-term success moving forward now that you had his nationals performance got second we're at this weird state in the usapl because typically it would be you do nationals you do the arnold but it's on october so the arnold's all way in march what are your plans going forward do you have meets in mind do you have some goals that like a total that you want to hit within the meantime like we we're in a strange, even the people who won nationals are in a really strange predicament because they don't even know if they're going to be able to do nationals So, or worlds. So, like, what's your plans going forward?
1: Yeah, so there's a slim chance I can still get invited to go to worlds. There's a very yep. slight chance. Um, if that happens, worlds is it, and I'm going to win worlds. Like, that's, that's the goal, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I'm not letting this slip up again. That said, if Worlds doesn't happen, I'm the type of athlete, dude, I would take three years of no competition just to build. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I want to come in so fucking strong that nobody can touch me. And um, and I just, I just want to raise the bar, you know? So to me, like, if the Arnold happens, like, great. You know, um, if it works out that that's something that I could do, sure. Um, but really, like, if Worlds doesn't come to fruition, then it would be next Nationals. The only thing that I have to consider is this is my last year as a junior. So I turn... 24 uh in march mm-hmm. so if there's any junior records i want to break uh anything like that like i want to do it you know asap kind of so if worlds doesn't happen i may or may not take a meet like early uh or like late 2021 maybe like super super fucking early 2021 i mean 2022 um just to break records in the junior class and then go up from there but uh yeah man i mean honestly it sounds weird and i i just I'm focusing on worlds right now. Like we're prepping for worlds. As if it's yeah,
0: actually, you're. You, but you are in a good position for it because, again, I need a coach to tell me these things because Joe told me about, like, if you, if you don't win your weight class, there's still a chance you get on, but I would assume with a 115 good lift points and based on all the other weight classes, a second place at 93 holds a lot more water than all the other ones. i say you and Delaney-Wallace are kind of, like, in the mix. I think I think I actually got to check the rankings right now. I might do that. I think you have him on good lift points. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he. My yeah, me, I believe, is
1: Bryce Lewis, and then I don't know who else is. Who else is there?
0: Yeah, because you would you would have to be up there as far as that goes. So yeah, it's definitely a possibility, and that's actually a good thing to think about. Like Worlds would be that time where you you can compete against Keiko again. It has happened before. Like I brought up the example of Gruden and Noriega, but also Daniela Mello and Amanda Lawrence. Like. That was that was a showdown it was funny because it's not in, it's not like a nation nation showdown it's within the United States but it's like all right let's run back raw nationals again and let's see who can uh, who's the better lifter so that would be an epic rematch is you and Keiko I love both of you guys lifters so much uh, I I will have to say though I don't know if you were listening to the one of flex Keiko is one of my uh, is my favorite lifter right now so I was uh, I was I was psyched to see him uh, perform, but really, if you guys can push each other to great lengths and you know see that, that matchup, that would be a pleasure for me to watch. That would be the headline, in my opinion, of two, of uh, Ron or our uh, worlds. I will actually start that on two white lights because we can dictate storylines on two white lights. So if if I want to, I'll be like, you know what, fuck everyone else. You know the eighty three. You know we've all seen Russ and Gibbs before. We've all seen, you know, all these other matchups. The 63 women are fantastic with Sam Calhoun, Laia, and uh, Kalora. But the 93s is going to be stacked at this Nationals because we're going to see the best matchup that, that we saw at Raw Nationals again at Worlds. I really hope that happens now.
1: Believe me, me too. I, I'm, I'm very excited. And, like, let me put it out there, man. I am... I'm ecstatic for John. Like, I, I really am. I have so much love and respect. I said this to him after he came back uh, after his poll. Uh, he came back to the World Cup after his poll. Like, I have so much love and respect for the Flex team, um, for all of his athletes, for all of my competitors. Like, I, I genuinely, I mean, you have to remember, all these guys are people I've looked up to for years. Like, yeah. before I even started probably. So, to share the platform with these guys, it's, it's an honor in and of itself. You know, so, Truly, like, I was very, very happy for Jonathan when he won. Because, again, I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, I know how much I poured into this Me, If I won and I couldn't go to Worlds despite winning just because of the pandemic or whatever, like, it would really break my heart. So I was very happy for him. Um, but now it's a different story, man. Now there is nothing. There's no There's no chains anymore. Now I'm thinking to myself, like, no, now I have to fucking win. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that you got to win nationals, but if I'm going to Worlds, we're competing, you know. And, um... And I know he's going to bring his best. I hope he brings his best. Um, I hope he hits the 2K total that he wants. Like, I genuinely do. Um, you know, my goals are extraordinarily high, extraordinarily ambitious. Um, you know, and, and that's always, by the way, how I've looked at competition. It might be the wrong mindset, but I've always thought to myself, like, forget about the competition because, as you said, any given day somebody can come in and have a breakthrough performance. So instead, I think to myself, well, if I just hit this total, this obscene total, who's going to touch me? You know? Yeah. So if that means 2200 if that means 2100 then that's what the fuck it is, you know? And, and, and that's kind of my mindset going into my training, everything. I set these absurd goals. And, you know, by the grace of God and my hard work, I, I come close, you know? And so that's the plan, man. I mean, again, dude, I, I genuinely want to see Keiko total 2K. I want to see him total 2K against me at Worlds. Like, that's yeah. what I want to see. And whatever I can do, you know, I'll do.
0: Well, you're getting, like, the perfect storm, too, because uh, Keiko always talks about – you know, how he wants his competition to get better because when his competition gets better, he gets better. If their total improves, his total improves. And I think with you kind of pushing that, we can have a situation, just for the sport of powerlifting, because obviously I'm a fan of powerlifting. We cover it. We talk about Jesse Norris so much with that 900-kilo total that he set in the USAPL, which still stands today as just ridiculous, as just a thing. And now we potentially, on a global stage, in Sweden, we can potentially have two lifters going for a 900 kilo total and going for it and going head-to-head and battling. I mean, I don't know your guys' thoughts on that, but two, to me, is always better than one. It's always great to see a guy kill it like Atwood did, but if there was another guy like Atwood totaling 840 at 74 it makes it all the better because we're going to see world record lifts and we're going to see two people do it and also compete to see who can have the better all-time performance like the the stars are aligning here for that to happen and i'm as a fan i'm excited for it. i'm ecstatic because it's one thing to be in awe of a lifter but it's another thing just to watch two lifters go at it like like what you see with uh with like something at the current or something where it's like it's the best overall lifter, but that's what makes the IPF and USAPL so great. It's it's when it's within a weight class. It's not best overall lifter. It's it will be you and Keiko on the same goddamn platform doing it. Spectating like porn, really. This is watching it at like I don't know four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> four o'clock in the morning because that's what I mean. That's like uh. You know, if it's competing in Sweden, we're gonna be we're gonna be up in the morning watching you guys. If you guys thought the eighty three kilo uh, was bad, and you know, five o'clock on the West Coast, uh, and the seventy fours and eighty three is going around Nashville, Sweden is going to be just like that. So, I yeah, I really want to see that happen. I'm excited for for that potentially to happen.
1: Yeah, man. And like I said, there's a slim chance I can get the alter- I mean, I, I think I can get the alternative spot. So there's a slim chance I can go. And I mean if, if like things work perfectly, we could still send a junior team because they're still gonna do junior worlds now that it's a different location. Um, so if that's yeah. the case, I'm pretty sure I would get invited for that. So it would what what would be really fucking dope to me is if I can go to worlds as a junior and put up a total that not only wins junior but would have won the open. That would have been that would be like great, perfect. You know, and, and because also in that case everybody wins, like Caitlin will get his world title you know, I'll get my world title, but I know that I would have had a total that would have beat everyone. And so, and again, that's all love and respect to my competition. It's just, you know, again, it's just kind of like the dream. So yeah, man, I'm very excited. And, and again, like, I I think I said this before, the reason why I do a lot of this stuff, the reason for like the things that push me, bro, it's like, it really has nothing to do with me. It has to do with all the people that like the young kids, young guys that are reaching out and like, dude, like, you know I could never be this or I'm always looking up to this like two two years ago I was the kid who was 1400 total looking at Noriega, Russ uh Roska, looking at all these athletes and I'm like holy fuck imagine being able to even dude I remember my 2010 2019 nationals Charlie Dixon played second he was my favorite lifter by far right mm-hmm. he squatted 660 or 666 right and I'm thinking to myself like oh my god like this is insane this is nuts how could anybody even have that on their back you know and it's crazy. And, and obviously, to fast forward to where I am now, it's like, dude, man, like this is part of the process. And like I want to be able to do what those guys have done for me, but for other people.
0: Yeah. So. Did, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to look at it. I mean, granted, it's the ranking, so it's available to everyone. But can recently posted on his story of where he ranks as far as, like, just not in his weight class, but as far as, like, the overall goes in powerlifting. I don't know about you, because you were in it, obviously. Uh, I don't know where you rank exactly, but it's high. But I saw it like he, he just did a cutoff at top 15, and I looked, and I was somewhere in there. I don't know where. But I was in the top 15 range. It's just not in my weight class, but with all the lifters there. And I looked, and I looked at the names. I know you're a guy who really internalizes things and tries to go for the next goal, but was there a part of you that sees that and like, holy shit, I am... I'm part of those guys now because I know I did when I saw that. I'm like, I see names on there like Taylor Atwood, Bryce Lewis, Andrew Muska, uh, Sean Noriega. All these guys. When I got into the USAPL, I was like, I I really don't know if I, I'm like, am I my am pretender or a contender? Here? I don't know. Yeah. And like Charlie Dixon being your favorite lifter, uh, getting started. You're part of you. that's like holy shit! Look where we've come since 2019.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest. Um, my only gripe with a lot of the rankings and stuff is there's so many ways to be ranked. Like, it's not like football where it's like, look, the best team is the best team. They won the Super Bowl, that's it, yeah. right? In powerlifting, like, if you just change one filter, you get a whole different list. Yeah. That's the only thing I don't like. So, like, that's why it sounds really weird. But, like, anytime someone says, like, oh, but you're first here. But if I change the list, now I'm 20 or I'm 15. Yeah. So I, I, I can't add a lot of weight to it. But... To that extent, like, to be able to – opportunities like this, perfect example. Like, I would have never imagined that this was an opportunity I would have been able to have where I get to get on here, talk to a phenomenal lifter, pick his brain, um, have an audience to talk to and converse with and be a part of the culture. Like, it's just a real experience, man. So it, it really is awesome. It really is cool. But it's it's funny because – this doesn't sound really, like, corny. I remember where I came from, and, like, I'm nothing, bro. I am nothing. Like, I am genuinely nobody special. I My training, dude, 70% of my training sessions suck. I'm horrible. Like, it, it hurts. I want to put, like, it's crazy, dude. And so because of that, I'm always kind of humbled by myself and that I'm not, you know, it, there's just so much to work on. Um, but, yeah, dude, it's, it's actually really crazy. I'm going to mention it because this happened, like, recently. This was, like, a really, this mattered more to me than seeing something like the rankings. Um, I had met Ashton Uh getting on the elevator to get drug tested, right? And he was really chill, really nice. And uh, fast forward to, like, literally two nights ago, he sent me a message, and he was like, hey, man, he's basically like, look, dude, you had a really great performance. There's a slim chance you'll get invited to Worlds. I just want to know, if you get invited, would you take it? And, dude, when I saw that, bro, (laughs) I was like, I I literally fucking almost cried. Dude, I was, like, tearing up. I was like, bro, you don't understand how much a message like that means to me when, like, This is a lifter. This is arguably, and this is no disrespect to any other lifter in the sport, but he is the only lifter who continues to inspire me, who I actually look up to, and I'm like, every time he sets the bar, when he squats like 805, I think to myself, like, I can fucking do that. That's the human potential, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the only lifter who pushes boundaries like that, where I'm like, dude, this is it, man. And so, to get a message like that from him, that was like, wow. Like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm... at least headed in the right direction. I only hope I can continue to provide value and inspire people and be a part. But that that meant a lot to me, a little bit more than, you know, seeing like rankings and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, dude, no. Uh, admiration from your peers is big. I will... And it's okay to... Like, it, I mean, obviously for me, because I was always a fan of the sport. I had two white lights for a while, so I obviously have some sort of interest with all the lifters there. But, yeah, that admiration from your peers is huge. You know what I mean? Like, it meant... 'Cause it like uh I mean for like to, to bring my own personal experience in with it, like like what you said with Ashton like messaging you, but I mean I remember getting I, like we got me and Atwood got piss tested. But then another lifter was like, Can I get a picture with both of you guys? I'm like, You want a picture with me and Taylor Atwood? <laughs> so like I'm like grabbing and then like Atwood just goes like, Hey uh Angelo's uh he wants to take a picture with the both of us. I'm like where the fuck did I deserve this? You know what I mean? Like where did this happen? And it's, it's nothing, it is really nothing that that happened, but at the same time, it's like, you gotta take a step back, and you are getting the admiration from your peer by doing that, and from this, you know, from the, from the, uh, from the, the, the grand scheme of powerlifting, you know, it's, it's oak okay. I think a lifter sometimes, like, want to be, like, too cool to, like, acknowledge the fact that, like, uh, like, um, I remember like, like, uh, actually, um, Kevin Papa, you know, you know Papa Kevin, so yep. Papa Kevin uh, came up to me and was like Yeah we we're just, we were shooting the shit. Uh, like always, Papa is a very good conversationalist, gotta get him on two way lights soon. Wait. <laughs> he's talking to me and my girlfriend, he's like you know, it's like I'm sure you're kinda sick of getting mobbed at meets and stuff. I'm like, No, I'm not. Like, are you fucking serious? I'm like a person came up to me and asked me for a picture with them. What? What yeah. dude, I never thought in my even in my, even as a kid, I didn't think I was like ever good enough to be like a person that's like, Oh, can I take a picture with you? Like, ever in my life. I geek out over that stuff. I'm not ashamed to be like, Yeah, dude, admiration from just a regular powerlifter or people kind of on the come up wanting to get a picture with me is really fucking cool. And that means something. That means that you've done something good. And for you getting a message from Ash, that definitely means you've done something good. But also, like, the amount of heads you turn in powerlifting the conversations that we're having with you not being there. That's, like, the big thing. Like, you're not in these conversations personally, but we're talking about you. Like, fuck, that was big. Like, he killed it on those deadlifts. Like, and, the, and they're all, like, high, they're all real high-level lifters and coaches talking about it. Like, that means something. That's something to actually be proud of. I think a lot of lifters are like, oh, you know, it's, like, kind of, you know, I, I really don't like the limelight. Like, come on. Come on, you got to like it a little bit.
1: No, dude, I I love it, and again, dude, that stuff meant more to me than placing second at nationals. Like, I was like, dude, man, this means, because again, bro, you got to remember, like, and you know this probably better than anyone, like, when you got to, when you truly work and you truly give everything you've got, I don't mean, like, show up to the gym, bullshit, like, skip accessories, like, when you're really going the extra mile every single training session to finally feel like you, you're making it, or you're doing something 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 is it all worth it you know like in my head I'm, i'm all of a sudden i'm thinking like wow like this isn't just for nothing you know um so yeah dude it was it was really powerful and even just like getting to to talk to keiko like at the end briefly um you know and meeting jesus and like all these guys like all these phenomenal lifters it's just like dude man i never thought i would be you know forget about sharing the platform but also just like being in conversation at the same level with these guys, you know, in terms of, like, we're all competitors. We're all competing towards the same goal. Um, yeah, dude, it's super surreal, and it's something that, like, just, like, as a kid, it's like, fuck, man, I've always dreamed of being the next Arnold. I've always dreamed of being the next guy that, you know, that's going to make it, that's going to be big. And these are just these small little wins that, that show up and just, yeah, it made me so happy. But, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's a phenomenal experience, man. I, I, I really, like, that, again, that definitely meant more, uh, and not just Ashton, but talking to anybody, again, even an experience like this, like, this is huge for me, dude. Like, this means more to me than placing second at Nationals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Something that is interesting, because I actually want to get your mind, I actually want to pick your brain a little bit on this. Because you mentioned something interesting within uh, within you, you describing your journey and getting to a point and I, 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 as a competitor myself, I kind of found, like, there's this, this switch in the way I train. Where I think if people are at surge and they see me train, now to where I started, it's a little bit different. Where it's like, you talk about no bullshitting. And, you know, getting, getting your stuff done. Of course it's okay to have fun, but I think there's a change, at least in my mindset, where it's like, you know, I'm going to put on a stern face... I'm going to get my shit done, I'm not going to skip accessories, and I'm not going to be so much in gym conversations anymore, I'm not so much going to, because right now we're focusing on something, we're focusing on nationals, we're focusing on this next week, we're focusing on hitting those goals, and I think it's become a lot more serious in the way I've, I've done things, so has that kind of been, uh, has that change that kind of hit you in a way too, where it's like your, your training philosophy, your training... Uh, the mindset while you're in the gym is changed uh, because you're focusing on getting a little bit more of a high level in the sport.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a very natural progression, by the way. Like
0: it's when
1: I first started. So again, I've been training for years, um, and I've always taken it seriously. But when I first signed up for states, I was actually coached by Flex, so I was coached by Flex for my first two meets. And um, leading up to states, like I, I worked hard, like I trained hard. But that was it, you know, like I didn't take my nutrition that seriously. You know, I got my sleep in. I was still in school and stuff. Um, And I I did well. I I mean, I won, but, you know, it was a 16.05 total, so whatever. So going into nationals, um, same thing. I was with Flex, and I was taking my training very seriously. Um, But I had so many other life things going on. Like I think I had missed at least maybe like two or three total sessions out of that entire prep. And I showed up to Nationals, and what did I do? I played six. So in my head, I'm thinking, like, oh, I really want to place. I really want to take first, but really, how bad did I want to do that, you know? That was the switch. When I flew home from Chicago, I was like, yo, like, if I'm going to commit to this, what the fuck is this work effort? Like, mm-hmm. everything needs to be dialed in. So that's when um, I, I was dealing – I competed on an injury. I had a really bad um, tear that I was dealing with. And after that, I had to step away from flex for a little while. Um, and then I found Alex. I started working with Alex. We just spent the whole year building and healing and all that other stuff. And I just, dude, I did not skip. I mean, I'm, I'm naturally very, I like my accessories. I believe in my accessories. I love doing them. Um, but I'm, I'm the type of guy where I add an extra rep. I add an extra set. I do that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean like ever since then I was, I was taking everything super, super seriously. And like, even now, dude, like, My training, my focus is, it's not even so much on like the session, it's every rep. So it's like, if I'm going to, when I'm approaching this bar, like I can laugh and have fun, but then as soon as I'm ready to put my headphones on, I'm taking the bar, that's it. Like it's, I'm performing everything as if I'm on, like I genuinely believe and think about me being on the platform, you know? So it's like, okay, I have 465 tempo high bar squats, but each rep is going to be performed as if there's three judges ahead of me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I try to train. Um... I'm actually, funny story, I'm actually thinking about trying to find a new gym to train at. I love my home gym, but it's really small. I have, I'm have, i friends with everyone. We all have a great time. But because of that, it gets really hard to zero in and focus when I've always got conversation and all this other stuff. So it's hard, dude. It's hard to like, I give you credit. I wouldn't be able to like just shut everybody out, you know, because yeah. I'm friends with everyone and, and, and I want to be respectful to them too, you know. So it's tough, dude, but, yeah, there needs to be a switch. You need to flip it, whether it's for every set, every rep, or every session itself, 100%. Like, when there's a big goal, you have no choice, dude, because like, you know your competition's doing that, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah, man. I it, It's interesting you bring that up because, like, it's hard for me to block it out sometimes, too, because they are my friends. They are my buddies. But I remember I did a and a on Instagram once. This is why I bring it up because uh, one of the people at Surge uh, messaged me. He's like, why do you always look like you're in a bad mood? At Surge, I'm like, it's not so much I'm in a bad mood. It's just I want to fucking, like, like I, I don't know. I guess it's, like, to, to my fault. It's, like, almost to an anxiety set, uh, state where I just, like, this workout is important. And I know what happens if I fuck up on the platform. You know, I know how big of a dip I'll take. I know... You know, and being a part of the media, I know that the, the shit backlash that'll happen from it. Like, I, and I've seen it firsthand in powerlifting when someone has a bad meet. You know, it turns into you know four months for you to redeem yourself. Four months is a long time. Four months is a long time to have that internalized in you of not having a great meet. And I experienced that with uh, 2019 Ron Nationals. Um, like it was like I was I was memed after the meet and stuff. Like I see that. Like granted it's so I have a sense of humor about myself and I egged it on a little bit, but it's like you still think about that it's like okay, I don't want that to happen again and with the goals that we're going for like there's always a sense of doubt too that you're gonna hit those goals because they're they're lofty they're like what remember when I first worked with Joe and he had his goals for me and he's like I think you can do this it's like fuck they're, you're talking about me being in top five my top five yet am I that guy am i am i am I in that sand like I was always you know, outside of the top 10. Am I really, am I really ready to make the next chance? And then it happens. Then you're like, okay, well, you're top five, but who the fuck wants to be top five in anything? You got to get better. You got to get better from there. And then that's when the, like, after the Arnold, that's when it kind of turned where it was like, okay, I can't really be surrounded in this environment where I'm joking around and my workouts get prolonged or my rest time is, is fucked up because of it. Like, it, it, it did turn into a little bit more of a serious tone. Granted I'm still having a blast while training, I always tell people like that's the best part of my day is training. But it's uh it's just a little different how I approach things now. Where it's uh where it's uh where I used to be potentially had a thing of like, oh you're you you know, you're you're always having a good time in the gym, you're always having a blast, whereas now you're very serious. Where you're just trying to really get focused and try to dial in Every set, every rep, and your accessory works, and trying not to bullshit in between. Uh, and I think, I think our journeys are, are, are a little bit similar in that sense. So I thought it was, I thought it was uh, interesting to hear your take on that.
1: Yeah, dude, and I mean that makes a lot of sense, bro. Like, it's you're absolutely right. Who wants to be top five? You know, like when you're in a sport and you're competing, it's like, why? I get it, because I'm like, why are you doing? it? Mm-hmm. You know, look, I'm I'm all for it. If you want to be casual, have fun, even if you don't want to compete, dude, do yeah. your thing, man. But. Like, For me, personally, I have very ambitious goals, and because of that, that requires a different ethic, and I try and keep things pretty natural, like, if you ask anybody who I competed against at Nationals, like, in the meet, I barely have my headphones on, I'm congratulating people, I'm, you know, I'm smiling, like, I'm having a good time, you know, but to me, that's what allows me to maintain that balance, um, that equilibrium, where I'm focused, but I'm not, like, you know, too crazy and amped up and gonna fuck up my technique, but I'm also not too relaxed, you know, and so, yeah, but I, the, the biggest tool um, that I've been able to use to help me go in and out of that is humility. So when I remember that I'm nothing, when I remember that all I'm doing is moving an inanimate object, you know, when I remember that even on meet day, somebody's fighting on the front lines, getting shot at, somebody's mom has cancer, you know, like, there's so much serious shit out there. Lifting weights is nothing. Yeah. So when I remember that, it's like, you know, I it's almost like, how could I not give everything I have and train my ass off? And, you know, so... That's always been the mindset. As long as, like, you remember, like, yes, there's you have to perform, you want to execute, but at the same time, like, remember why you're doing it, you know? And, 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 again, like, and this is no disrespect to any of the people that I train with or anybody that I work out with. Like, I outwork everyone. Like, there's, I'm I'm the, like, I literally, I train four hours a day every day. Like, it's not, I don't take it lightly. Like, I if I feel like a rep, I fucked up, or if I, I rush the pause a little too much, I'm taking it again. You know what I mean? And so there are little things that I do that, absolutely kind of mimic this idea of i need to outrun period and that definitely started to become more ingrained once i started to realize like you know what if we want to make worlds a reality there's no way i can beat keiko or, or total 2100 you know by sitting on my ass so yeah do uh do people get give you grief about that in the gym like do, when they see you like all serious
0: and shit um no not really i, I like i say with at ad search like you know i i'm I have great relationships with everyone at Surge. Uh, it's just a, it's just a little bit different, you know. It's just like a different how things have turned out uh, than how I started. So I think occasionally it's like now I actually think I've gotten a reputation of being the dad around the gym. Like I'm the uh, I think someone told me it's like you're like Surge's dad. It's like when you like see people fucking around, you're like, yo, would you fuck it? like let's go, let's go, let's lift, like you know you're wasting my you're wasting our time here. Um, and that, I mean that that uh, that a philosophy can, can uh, that, that or that not not, not philosophy that that uh, that attitude, and that kind of confrontational attitude. That I mean, you and I are both Italian. We kind of have that kind of ingrained in us of being a little bit confrontational at times. Um, but that can strike people the wrong way. But it's like, hey, I I I have like I have to say something because if you're fucking around on the combo rack doing nothing, like, dude, I got shit to do. I need to get on that combo rack. I like you better hit your fucking squat set really quick because I either need the waist that you're using or I need to squat or bench that day, man. Like, come on, let's go. Like, we got it. We got to get it going. And, so, and at the same time, it's like I'm talking to a lifter who's just having fun, and I understand that. It's like I and I know for a fact I'm kind of the dick in that situation because it's not that they don't. It's not their problem. It's my problem. But. It's like I'm do like I really want to get my benches in right now, and I know if I stand too long around, it's gonna be affected. It's not gonna be the best data to give back to my coach. And if I have to wait for you during rush hour, I have to wait for everyone else. It, it fucks with my. It, it, at first, I was like, No, oh, of course, take your time, man. Like, I don't know, but there's I guess there's a there's there's some gym etiquette things like on top of that too, where it's like, Hey, if I ask to work in with you, let me work in with you. Like, if we're doing the same thing, I'm working in with you. I don't care if you're a 52-kilo woman or you're a super heavyweight male. We are going to change the weights. We're going to change the rack height. That's why we have the combo racks, so you and I can work in together. Like, I don't care if we're on totally different strength levels. We're working in together because I'm not wasting time at the gym. Like, that's that's it. And, you know, that, that confrontational attitude could occasionally get me some grief. But so far, everyone's been relatively understanding of uh of of like kind of how that is conducted around the gym but like that's yeah. that's kind of been the flip that's been the flip for me is just like yo we gotta hurry this shit up we gotta get this stuff yeah, done
1: absolutely i always feel like a dick too because again my gym is really small like we have good equipment but it is really small it's like a little basement and um it sucks because like i i feel really shitty Thinking to myself like, yo, you don't need the combo rack to bench like less than one thirty five. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. need it. But but at the same time, I also do believe like everybody's on their journey, man. Like you're no better than them. Like yeah. you know. So I'm not gonna lie, dude. It's definitely a mental battle. Like it's a mental struggle for me, and it sucks because I have to deal with it every day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's well, like I mean, every day
1: it's, I come in. It's like, Go yeah. Ahead, yeah. Yo, when saying- yeah. Yeah.
0: Same. I mean, same thing with me. It's like it's an everyday situation where it's not. Oh, well, here's the thing. There's always there's always something with me where it's like. Okay, do you need the combo rack right now to do what you're doing? No. But if you're working, I'm cool with it. Like, if you're working, it's, I guess, uh, the times where I have been confrontational with the game, it's when people aren't working. Where it's like, hey, I totally get that you guys are friends, that this is a social aspect for your life. And, you know, I can't even, like, I can't even say otherwise. Like, my best friends have been built from powerlifting. Like, the people who I hang out with now and get a beer with are powerlifting. Like, it's not so much where it's um, it's from different walks of life. It's not co-workers. It's, not, it's really, like, the people who I spend most of my time with are powerlifters. So I get the aspect, the social aspect of the gym. But if it turns into you're hitting a set every 10 minutes and you're prolonging my workout, two things are going to happen. It's, one, I'm going to, dem- to demand to work in with you. Like I don't care if if we're doing relatively the same thing. If we're doing squat, I'm squatting with you. Like uh, and there's and also like I try to push people in the gym to work in with each other because if you work in with each other, then you free up kilos, you free up space, and people don't get that. So I always try to be like, hey, I've worked in before with the 52 kilo female, who was you know her top set was 125 kilos, my top set was uh, 250 kilos. It worked. Yeah. It happened. It took a little bit, you know, and actually it was a more efficient workout because we were working with each other and, you know, I'm, if you're, I'm working with you, I'm switching your place. If you're working with me, you switch my place. It all, it all works. And I tell people like, Hey, if you're on the same team, if you're on, if you're doing the same shit, work in with each other, make some friends, like actually converse with each other and, and, uh, and, and do that. Um, it's just, uh, it's like, if you're, if you want to have a social aspect, like, okay, work right now, talking between your sets. Be cognizant of everyone else in the gym. And then after the gym, there's a ton of bars in the area. Go and talk about whatever you want to talk about at that bar. Yeah. <laughs> because that's a good, that's a good man, it's like, hey, man, it's yeah. like, hey, dude, go out and live life. you know. And also tell them, like, go. Yeah, hey, yeah. don't let this be your social life go out, hell, fuck, you might meet a girl while you're there, who knows, you might get into a funny situation, man, like, that's what I told, I'm like, you might meet, you might meet meet your wife over there, you might get into you might get into an altercation, like, that happened with me after a meet, me and my three powerlifting friends, this one fucking weirdo came up to us, and started to, like, just uh, a drunk dude, uh, you know, asked if we all lifted, and you know you know what's gonna happen after that, right? Like, a guy comes up and asks if you lift like, okay, is he sizing us up right now? What's going on? It's like, but, you know what? That's a story we can tell people now. It's like this drunk weirdo started talking to us about, like, if we lifted or not and say, like, oh, I have a mixed martial arts background. I'm like, okay, are you trying to say something right now? Because we have three of us. I don't care how good your fucking triangle choke is. If you could triangle choke all three of us right now, man, it's going to end up bad for you. But we had we had a good time with the boys, you know what I'm saying? And that was off the gym time. That was in the bar where we are doing it. So, always some like, hey... You have a friend group. Be with your friend group. Have fun, man. Have have fun. Drink a beer. Smoke a cigar. Do what you guys want outside the gym.
1: Yeah, I mean, the hard part for us is that there's such a huge <laughs> dynamic in our gym. Like, we've got people who don't powerlift, who just, like, kind yeah. of, like, lift for fitness and stuff like that, which is totally fine. It's cool. problem is that the gym, especially the downstairs, is, like, it's powerlifting stuff. So it's, like, because of that dynamic, like... It's just, it creates a really weird exchange. So, like, I'm, dude, I share deadlift platforms with people, like, like, literally two bars on the same platform. But most people at my gym could be USPA. So everybody uses a deadlift bar, squat so yeah. bar and stuff. So that's why sharing stuff can sometimes be, yeah like almost like... No, I get things. that, too. But, right? but in, in some of those instances, dude, like, ah, the problem is that some of the people at my gym, at least, that aren't in the powerlifting world, like, they don't really, it's not their fault. Like they just don't have a concept of that. So they don't think, like, yeah. oh, he really needs, he's on a time crunch or he needs to hit his set or whatever. Like they didn't really think about sharing equipment like that so because the dynamic is so it's so diverse it can definitely be a little frustrating at times or whatever but honestly dude like it's a very first world problem like i'm blessed to be able to even have a combo rack of kilos yeah. and a power bar to go to you know what i mean straight yeah. up you know especially like after the quarantine training over quarantine it's like dude i should never bitch about you know things being overcrowded or equipment being used or whatever and, you know, and again, it does go back to the whole thing, like, who the fuck am I, man? Like, yeah. I, we're all just lifting weights, well, that's, that's it. Yeah, know? that's so, always the thing. So, well, so,
0: yeah. In the situation, I'm always, like, I'm being the dick in this scenario, guys. Like, you're not in the wrong, technically. It's, like, it's me, but that's kind of the that's kind of the bullet I'm going to take right now is just be the dick in the situation. Because, no, it's not a problem what's going on. Uh, you're doing, you know, you're paying for a gym membership. You're doing everything you need to do, technically. I'm just, like, this is my shit. This is my thing that I'm being, you know, that I'm being a little bit anal on. But... You know, I, that's, that's like, I, I always like talking to lifters about that because, uh, I think it's, I think it's actually, um, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool transition or cool transformation to see within lifters. I want to see if it's shared with a bunch of lifters, like how you approach your training and how you approach, uh, how you take, because most of the sport is done in the gym. You, we only compete for what, two hours, three hours. That's it. Like all of our work. I talked to Marcus, Sadudu about this too. Uh, it's like, the best part of me competing is not the competition. I remember more of me going into the gym and training. I remember the the late nights uh, the, actually the, I mean really it was like a good feeling too like it was never a bad feeling it's always a good feeling like going into surge and then coming out like that was a good that was a good squat you hit today like let's go home and do it again tomorrow it's like that part is the most valuable to me. Whenever, uh, whenever I go into contest prep and like that's uh, or meat prep and that's uh, that's uh, that's that's something that uh, I I always want to pick other lifters' brains on. It's just how yeah, they, they approach their training day to day. Because I don't get to, I don't get yeah. to train with everyone. You know what I mean? Like uh, as far as powerlifting goes, like uh, I, like every time I get to treat with a high level USAPL competitor, it's seriously one of the best things. It's so great. It's such like it's 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 almost better than the competition itself.
1: Yeah, no absolutely dude. I had one experience too, was at a one ten supplement promo and we were at a really cool gym called Time to Rise and I mean I was around everybody, like we were all friends, we're all like having a ball lifting training, but I was specifically like I almost like inadvertently partnered up with Cole Wagner, who's a ninety three and he's really fucking strong. Oh yeah. And dude, we just were on the same wavelength. Like we had such a good time. Like it just, we both attacked the bar. We all, we both, like, it was just, it was like, there was an energy, you know, it was a flow. But, um, but yeah, dude, I mean, I always say, like, this sport is not a sport for the talented, it's a sport for the disciplined and those who can hold themselves accountable. Yeah. If you can stay disciplined in every single training session, know that you're going to give it everything you got, you're not going to skip a single thing, you're going to ask, like, you're really going to go all in, and you're going to hold yourself, hold yourself accountable to the standard, like, you're going to be, you're going to be good. So that it definitely becomes a thing where like for me now my tactic is put on my headphones just like try and sweat my ass off like really just not try to make eye contact like just go for it you know every now and then people like try and you know stop me and talk to me and that's fine but i really have to and again i don't blame it on anybody else but myself i have to keep myself in check like you know what it's time to hit my set i gotta go for it you know and and yeah man it's 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 definitely a weird like dichotomy but for sure there's a switch that flips especially dude like this Nationals, losing this Nationals lit a fire under me that, like, I didn't think was going to happen. Like, when I lost in 2019, I was like, oh, whatever, you know. Like, I was more upset the fact that, like, I just didn't get closer to my goal. But this one, I was like, yo, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's, this is not happening again. There's no yeah. fucking way, you know. So, so yeah, dude, there's definitely a switch that flips, and I think a lot of, I, I really hope a lot of competitors get to feel that because it's, a, it's an awesome feeling.
0: Well, yeah, and there's also the the uh, the difference between the two where it's like, Even in that sense, I actually want to ask you about this, is whenever I'm at Surge, it's like, okay, looking around the gym, like, who's the hardest worker here, or who, and like, can I outwork him today, or her today, you know what I mean, like, can I outwork the next person, so I don't know if they know it, but there's always like a little competition in my head going, like, alright, if that person's doing this, I'm not going to do the, you know, more weight, or less weight, or something like that, like, as far as like, oh, I want to be the strongest guy in the gym today, It's like, okay, how hard are they working and can I step it up just a bit? You know, it's like, is that, does that that ever, uh, that ever crossed your mind at all?
1: Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean,
0: I'm not going to lie. Like,
1: there are, in my gym, there are a few guys who are really, really strong and girls that are really, really strong and work their ass off and they work full time jobs and they've got all this other stuff going on. Um, And it's like a mutual respect thing. It's like we all just walk in and we're all fucking grinding. Like, we're not taking, you know, shit. We're not slacking off. So, that, for sure, in terms of, like, seeing somebody thinking to myself, like, oh, I'm going to compete with him, like, I, this is going to sound really fucked up, dude, but I know I'm the hardest worker, period. So, like, I outdo myself. It's like, I literally think these things in my head. I'm like, that dumbbell row, that set, I didn't go heavy enough. That set doesn't count. You know what I mean? Or, you know what, that mm-hmm. rep was cheap. I didn't fucking, I didn't hit that eccentric slow enough, so it doesn't count. You know, little things like that, that just every day go one more, go one more, just, like, the little edges, I think that's what polishes a good meat day, you know, ultimately. So, um, yeah, like, to an extent, for sure. Also, though, dude, like, my gym's not, I don't know how big Surge is, but my gym's really not that big. So Yeah, Surge is actually exactly massive.
0: Really? Yeah, if you're ever in Illinois, man, you got to come out to it. It's like, it's funny, because that's the thing where I'm like, if people work in, we could have, like, three combo racks set up for someone else just coming into the gym. Because there's eight, eight combo racks. Eight oh, combo cool. racks, two Rogue Ones, Two State of the Arc ones, two Ghost ones, and two Elite FTS ones. What do you, what do you think about Ghost? I like it. Um, I like... So there's two combo racks. There's... Uh, I don't know what they're, they're called, but one is actually good for pretty much every universal combo rack. Like, if you're comp- competing with the ER rack, uh, the, the one that they have that's less expensive than... Um, than their other one because they have two combo racks. I know that uh, is actually good if you're competing on any type of combo rack within the USAPL or really any fed. And if you're a USBA, you're using Ghost regardless. The other one uh, is not at Surge, but it's at Indy City Barbell where I train occasionally uh, if I want to take a trip up to Indianapolis. Um, and also Garrett, uh, when I trained with him uh, at his house, uh, him and uh, his girlfriend's house, they have that too. That one, that one might be. Pro, might be the best combo rack, in my opinion. And just as far as like comfort goes, the padding, the size of the bench. Uh, I I squatted in it once. It was a pretty good feel. Uh, that one's like probably the gold standard as far as like uh, combo racks go. But uh, yeah, I like I like Ghost. I, re, I really do like their equipment. The 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 one that we have two of them at Surge. I know they're the the less expensive version of the combo rack, but. If you're if you're training with that one, you're going to be pretty you're going to be pretty well off with any meat. Like rogue, I have to stay away from because that fat pad is such a luxury, and you get a you get a solid comfort with it. Like you can use it potentially to meet in the USAPL, but it's so. very few and far between. Actually, a local a local meat has a better chance of using a rogue than a national meat. I don't think I don't think USA based on the conversation I had with the USAPL, I don't think. If you're banking on Rogue being at a national competition like the Arnold or Nationals, it's not happening.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I asked, dude. I honestly really love Go Strong equipment. Like, I had, I had trained on that at a gym near me called Impact Zone leading up to my last meet, the one in August. And it was great, dude. Like, I, I loved it. I thought it was, like, the bench, It was. it's tough to find a combo rack that, like, all around feels good. Yeah. Like, there's some that feel really good on bench, and there's some that, like, feel really shitty on squat. And it's just, like, it's a weird, and, like, little things like trying to adjust the bar. Like I use an Elico combo rack at this gym. Maybe they just built it wrong, but I couldn't slide the bar. Yeah. So like every time I had to sled up I'm fucking crooked and shit. Yeah. So yeah that's was, so that's yeah. the
0: state of the art ones at Surge. The Surge ones because like, state of the arc, they've been used so many times at Surge. That's like the universal one I guess for every every person that trains at Surge. So that's like the universal combo rack and it's been used so many times that like you can't slide the bar in and out uh, one of the things is missing from it too, so your bench is going to be affected by it a little bit. But really, I, I know with the, the whole raw national thing with combo racks, uh, there is some uh, point of contention for it. Uh, I yeah. say if you have the opportunity, use the rogue one. But if you don't, dude, I love. I really do enjoy like every combo rack that I'm under. Like it's it's still a good. It's still a it's still a good tool for like. There hasn't been a combo rack where I'm like this thing is a piece of shit. Like I can't use it.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's a really good segue into something I definitely wanted to note during this, was, like, I really try to not depend on any equipment whatsoever. Yeah. Like what I have is what I use. And, like, my first full year in powerlifting, I was training out of my school's gym. When I tell you you cannot find worse equipment, you cannot find worse nope. equipment. Right? Yeah, I agree. So, like, the benches, the ra- there was no such thing. You think a cobra like, there was nothing adjustable, nothing whatever. So, it was training on that um, – that taught me a lot about, like, listen, bro, if you hone your ability to adapt as opposed to your ability to perform on certain equipment, you'll do so much better. Yeah. Um, so because of that, dude, like, I couldn't give two shits when I'm on. Like, I'll notice if, like, if there's a rack where the bench is torn up and I'm sliding all over it and shit. But, like, even then it's like, all right, where's your resistance bands? I'll loop it up. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. – you just adapt. You know, you just adapt. I don't think you should adapt in the sense of, like – you know, breaking the rules and putting adhesives and shit like that on you. <laughs> like having to yeah. run nationals, but you know, but to that extent, like, again, I, I definitely do think like, you know, a lot of people were complaining about the ER rack and the carpet, I think as well. at yeah. National. I didn't notice it. I really didn't like, the only thing I noticed was the, the bench was thin. Like it felt really thin and like kind of shitty, but like, I didn't really notice, I didn't notice the carpet slipping. Like my feet were fine. Um, like things like that. So, I definitely think it would do a lot of lifters good if we if just kind of focus on, like, adaptation as opposed to, oh, it has to be this bar, it has to be these plates, it has to be this round, you
0: know. Yeah. All right, really quick, because you said something there with the adhesives, that is not against the rules.
1: Not against the rules.
0: No. So I know you're talking, I actually might talk about this more potentially because I think it's a non-issue, but I will have to mention because, like, uh, some people reach out to me. Uh, I was said the IPF rule book. It's not against rules to use. I know.
1: So I saw that, but then there was a judge that hit me up. I'm going to look for the DM right now. And he like he was like, just want to clear some things up. It's against the rules. His name is Eric, I think. Um, Eric Walsh. There it is. He was like, okay, this is it. Uh, he said, hi, National Refugee. The only thing you can apply to your shoes is water. Adhesive spray is not allowed in any circumstance. Um, and then I was like, I had a couple lifters shoot me a text of like, "Yo, these are the rules, blah, blah blah." Like it's allowed, and he was like, "They're wrong. Only chalk, baby powder, or water can be applied to your body or equipment. Tape on thumbs if a TC allows it." And that was it.
0: Okay, so, so that's from, what he said. from the IPF, it says baby powder, resin, tail, magnesium carbonates are the only substances may be added to the body uh, or attire, but not the wraps. Okay. So, that's. That's what was sent to me, but here's the thing, because I, this actually might be like a terrible thing to mention on the podcast, because people are like, what the fuck are they even talking about? Which I won't give it more light, because I promised that I wouldn't, because only reason why I wouldn't is because officials called out lifters for it, they checked them and found nothing. So, yeah. in that circumstance, if the USAPL official made the accusation and couldn't find anything, therefore, it's, it's, not an issue it's a non-issue yeah. there, but that's what was sent to me. I might there might be some podcasts I do in the future that I have to elaborate a little bit more on that. But that's what it's sent to me, so uh, yeah. Um, I, I yeah, and
1: I, just, I I want to make it clear too, like personally, if you're not on steroids or using like Adderall, I couldn't give two shits what you do. Yeah, like really, what it was told
0: out. to me, it, it's so speculatory because they were telling me I'm like that doesn't even make any sense. Like what they were because they were like yeah they had to stick them on their singlet. I'm like where on their singlet. Because yeah. if it's on the front, that fucks up your deadlift completely. Yeah. Like, I, and that's what they told me. It's like, oh, they put on the front of their singlet. Like, why would they do that? Like, you want to slick? Like, if I put adhesive on my singlet, that would fuck up my lockout horribly. I wouldn't be able to lock out fully. Like, I would be able, I would be stuck. So, yeah, that's that. That's that. I I can't wait. Like, if uh, when people listen, be like, wait, who are you even talking about? And we'll look for the gossip it, <laughs> but. Yeah, I might have to talk a little bit on that on a future podcast coming up, but I do agree with you. There is certain circumstances, though, because, like, uh, Texas Power Bar, for example. Like, during quarantine, I trained on the Texas Power Bar, and it was, like, my deadlift was getting so good, and I know it was because, like, the little bit of slack I had. So I'm, like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I don't even know how to make this harder for myself. (laughs) Like, do we we add more weight? Like, what do we do here? Because it was, like... I remember I hit like 677 for four super easy and I just was so locked in with it and I just knew I'm like fuck Texas power bar I'm like once I get back to that 20 kilo bar it's gonna be such a rude awakening for me because that was like eight weeks of training with almost a deadlift wow. bar on my deadlift you know what I mean so it's like a whole block with a deadlift bar but really you can't you can't be like well with, like I, I got like I you have to train as opposed to not train so if you're not doing that, it's like, all right, you're going to take the hit. You're going to eventually rebound. You'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, like, th- like that little, those little equipment things. Uh, even on bench, like I use my shitty, like, whatever bench that I have in my basement. I didn't get a combo rack or anything. I couldn't really afford it. Uh, but that, like, on my bench was so terrible because of, like, I had no, I had to put, like, three mats under me in order to reach the ground based on the arch. But I had to put like three mats under me and my bench is so shit. I'm like, we're just going to keep on doing the same week, same uh, weight every week. And then once we get back in the gym, we'll see. And it actually helped. Like my bench press getting back into the gym because I was using like the shittiest bench of all time. Actually, when I got back in the cop standards, I'm like, damn, my bench just better than ever. I think I have to train on that shitty equipment that I have more often to, to really dial in my strength.
1: Yeah, dude. It's, it's it's weird, too. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about the Texas power bar. I think those things are trash. Probably the worst power bars ever made. I cannot stand them. Like, Thank squatting you. with them feels like a noodle. Like, everything. So, I totally feel you there. Like, honestly, dude, like, it's it sucks, but at the same time, it is kind of cool because it's like, like you said with your bench, your bench actually kind of improved as a result of that, but I think it's also the mindset, dude. Like, that's what you really take away. It's like, yo, I have the ability to literally perform no matter fucking what. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Like, and same thing, dude, with squats at my meet, like I was, the bar was whippy for me. And so if I didn't control, like I felt it on the opener, and I was like, shit. I felt it on my second attempt. I had controlled it a little bit better, but I was like, dude, this is, this is a little whippy. Like I got to control this shit out of the hole. And I was able to do it better for my 722. But when I, again, like I said earlier, my first time ever taking 722 was on an Elico bar. There was no way. Yeah. And so like that's, and that's the difference. like. If you can, let me put this dude. If you can squat sub max and like, really push yourself on pound plates and all sort of shit and control, when you go to a, a top end piece of equipment, it's gonna feel night and day different, and it should be for the better, you know. So, yeah. but yeah, dude, Texas Power Bars, like, I, I, don't mean to trash the company whatsoever. I think they're probably a
0: great company. They make good equipment, it's just their power bars. That yeah, well, Rogue, well, Rogue does the Texas and the Ohio, so like yeah. the Ohio bar is good. So, like, we all use a high bar during cra- I mean, I use a 20-kilo high bar during training. The, like, the Texas one has its use. Like, it's a perfect gym equipment thing. But, like, if you're getting to deadlift with it, it's like, oh, fuck. Like It's, it's just, also a little thinner, I think, right? Yeah, they're it's thinner. Actually, I don't mind squatting with them. I don't know why. I feel maybe because, like, I don't know, like, uh, the whips won't be as... What's up? you only squat high bar? Low bar.
1: Oh, you do so. Oh, yeah, that's weird, then.
0: Yeah, because I, I felt it actually at uh, Indy City. I remember going into it. I felt so locked in. I'm like, all right, maybe it's the bar girth of it, too. Uh, like, that helped me. But at the same time, like, you know, it, there's weight. So there's weight that will have the difference. I was doing 622 that day. If you're doing anything over 650, probably whip out crazy. And that's probably where your squat is more affected by it, because you do more weight. So, like, it could be just be, because I'm doing less weight, there'll be less whip, and I'm only doing it for one rep. So... Well,
1: now now you're going to have to use the squat bar, right? Yeah. So, how's that? Are you transitioning
0: well? I mean, I've only done it once, but really, I, I, feel, I feel pretty confident with it. Like, it's a bit weird, but also, like, feeling it on my back, I'm like, eh, you know, it's nothing like, oh, shit, I can't control the bar. It's like, it, it feels solid. We'll see when we get into the 600 how it feels. But, uh, yeah, we're still doing the 20-kilo bar on volume days, though, just because we're still a USAPL lifter. So, like, we're doing 20-kilo bar one day. We're doing the deadlift bar one day, but we're also doing stiff bar deadlifts another day. Like, it's not a true me prepping for a USPA meet. Like, we do know that, you know, that's not my federation that I'm going to constantly be competing in. So we got to, we got to still stay to the standard and do 20 kilo, uh, 20 that's kilo smart, work.
1: Though. Yeah, that, that's really smart, honestly, because I mean, that's, that way you'll be prepared for anything, you know?
0: Yeah. Thank you for coming on Two White Lights. This is a pleasure, man.
1: <laughs> thank you, man. Seriously, the pleasure is
0: all mine. Dude, I, I cannot thank you enough for
1: inviting me on, taking the time to talk with me. And, uh, and I seriously also can't thank you enough, um, being open-minded enough to have like a young new lifter on such an established podcast dude so seriously, of course
0: man it was like i said uh the the pleasure was all mine this is a fantastic conversation two hours flew by and that's usually a good thing because that means the conversation was good so we'll see you guys next week guests to be determined peace What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I was joined by one of the breakout stars of USAPL Nationals, Gavin Aiden, who took second in the ultra, ultra competitive 93-kilo weight class, going toe-to-toe with one of the best lifters in the USAPL in Jonathan Keiko, and this interview was awesome. Uh, this happens occasionally on Two White Lights, where... I get a guest on and we just have a lot of chemistry, just never talking to each other before, but we just got each other. could be the cigar relation, could be the Italian connection that we have, but it was one of my favorite interviews I've done recently because it was just a back and forth between two lifters, talk about trying to get better, our experiences, I do a lot of talking, he does a lot of talking this episode, uh that's what i try to accomplish with all my interviews sometimes that happens sometimes it doesn't which is perfectly fine and this is one of those episodes so great great conversation with gavin we talk almost for two hours so if you're a lifter listening to this i suggest you listen to the entire thing because it's just a great back and forth between two lifters just trying to figure it out and get better uh we of course talk about his experience at raw nationals again probably the most interesting most complex battle at raw nationals was the 93 kilo with him and Jonathan Keiko. So they went back and forth all day. We talk about the squat. Uh, I did ask him about why he didn't go for the chip on the national record. The challenge situation between uh, Joey Flex and his coach, Alex Hussar. uh, Maybe some controversy stirred up there a little bit. So that's, I guess, the clickbait of two white lights. But really interesting conversation there. Gavin has his opinions. We go back and forth on the whole challenging and protesting lifts uh, as it stands in the USAPL. Talk about the future as well because he's knocking at the door. IPF Worlds and the prospect of a rematch with him, and Jonathan Keiko, would be fantastic. So we talk about that, some future goals, and also just what he's accomplished in the sport, like from 2019 to now, had so much progress. And we talk about that. And we share our experiences because him and I had a similar experience to that. So great conversation. We also just talk goals going into each training session, how we approach training. Uh, Gavin had some really good insight on that. He asked me a lot of questions too, which is always appreciated. Like I said, this was just a delightful interview to have. So again, if you're a lift, a lifter, a young lifter, especially make sure you're listening to this entire episode. Cause it was, uh, one of my favorites and definitely going to have Gavin on again sometime. But before we get into that interview, got to talk to you guys about Leflar bros, Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftfloorbros.com, follow them on Instagram, and check out the merchandise because it is amazing. It is dope. It is fantastic. I don't like using the word dope because I feel like I'm too old to use it, but that's the only word I can use to describe their merchandise. The designs, the graphics that they're coming out with are unique. They're new. They're fresh. And that is something you don't see a whole lot in powerlifting, especially with the clothing side. They keep on coming out with amazing, amazing designs and they come out with stuff you can wear in the gym, outside the gym, you're gonna look good no matter what, and on the platform as well. They got some of the best comp tees I've seen. So a lot of people are Raw nationals wearing them. I continue to see more and more people wear LeftLar Bros merchandise on the platform, which is always is always a pleasurable site for me. So what you're gonna do is go to LeftLarBros.com, get some of their merchandise. They're coming out with new stuff. They just released some socks, different color socks. They got the cotton candy color going. I love how that's looking. Also got dad hats coming out. You're going to use promo code 2WL15. You're going to add some stuff in that cart, use that promo code 2WL15 at checkout. And also, on leftlorebros.com is where you can get 2 White Lights merchandise. They have the best they have not only the best merchandise, but they also have the best powerlifting podcast merchandise on leftflowerbros.com so remember you can get two white lights shirts we got three different designs for the tees we got a dad hat on leftflowerbros.com and use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money so put your cart in with leftflower and two white lights merchandise and use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money also go to rivalnutrition.com and get yourself some rival nutrition supplements the logo might have changed the name might have changed the promo code might have changed as well, Angelo20, but still has informed choice supplements. You want to take those informed choice supplements because you will not get popped at a drug test. You don't want to be taking any shady or odd supplements that you can possibly find in pre-workouts. Informed choice means there is no banned substances, so use that promo code Angelo20. Get yourself some rival nutrition supplements. They got pre-workout, they got protein powder, they got branched you know, man, amino acids, and tons of, tons of other stuff on Rival Nutrition. So make sure you net promo code ANGELO20. Also, make sure you are on lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. I wear Stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. And the reason why is because I love it. More and more lifters are loving it too. I've seen more people wear Stoic knee sleeves. I am telling you the reviews on the knee sleeves have been fantastic. It is one of the most affordable and best-fitting knee sleeves out on out in powerlifting right now. Also, I love the wrist straps and a singlet as well. I only wear Stoic Gear on the platform. So use that promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money on Stoic Gear. Also, make sure you're going on Notorious Lift Instagram page. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out the website as well. But especially sign up for that newsletter because Notorious Lift, Deadlift Slippers... They sell out, and they sell out quick because they have drops. You can't just go on NotoriousLift.com and get whatever you want. you got to look out for those drops. So, trust me. You're going to find a colorway that you love, that matches your gym attire, that matches your platform attire, and you're just going to need to have it because you want to look good on the platform. I know, you know, maybe the whole new age powerlifting or the tough guy powerlifters like, oh, it doesn't care about, you shouldn't care about how you look on a platform. If you look good, you feel good, and feel good, you play good. Notorious Lift is going to get you there, so... You, go sign up for the newsletter make sure you are on those drops quick they sell out so fast especially if you're looking for a specific size you do not want to miss out on it so sign up for the newsletter and get yourself some notorious lift slippers also we are available on spotify we're about available on apple podcasts a lot of you listen to two white thank you for that make sure you're subscribing to all platforms and especially on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review. Those are very important for Two White Lights in our growth, so make sure you are doing that. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights.